Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault in the news cycle of people that make it and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster. I, I'm in good spirits today. And I know it's been it's been tough. It's been a tough couple of weeks for a lot of us for mm-hmm. a number of different reasons. But you know what? We are approaching the end of 2022. It's been a year um, of recovery, of redemption, and of cryptocurrency implosions. So who got redemption? I'm sorry. I, my recovery starts next year. Yeah. <laughs> On January first, my recovery starts. Well, I'm just I'm just trying to be optimistic. Second, I don't know. January second. Look, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just yeah, let's exactly. just call this one a scratch, okay? We've been through a lot of hard January first. I'm gonna be uh, sweating out all the drugs that I took <laughs> December thirty first, <laughs> and and we'll be recording live for all of it. Yes, that's not a bad idea. Covers. Yeah, we're, we're here live together. Forward, we are actually we're yeah. in New York together, and, and yes. every single time I come back to New York, I have a couple of thoughts. One is. There's a lot of homeless people too. Mm-hmm. I really, I really like it here. And three is no, no other place on the planet actually feels like home, which is weird. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. Also, there are rats, and it's kind of filthy and disgusting. Lots and lots but of rats. Yeah, I hate the still city feels like until home. I leave it, and then I want to come back. Yeah, it's very and strange. I, I want like I, where else do I want to live? I don't, I don't. I know. mean, like where Tell else? In, well, that's different. I don't know. That's different. It's because I'm the Theodore Herzl of the Irish. And it's mostly because of ladies. I don't really care that they're like, we need the Judea and Samaria. I'm like, I don't, I don't care what you have. Yeah. As long as you get the girls with the Isn't, M16s. In cool. fact, New York City, the Israel of the Irish. Uh, I thought you were going to say the clap capital of the world. It's both. I mean, not I thought unrelated. you were say it was run by Jews. I was um, trying to, to survive this. Yeah. The well, Israel of the Irish. Huh. Let me think about that for one second. I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, Boston, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This oh. is, Boston's kind of the West Bank. Like, <laughs> it's occupied. <laughs> Nobody really wants to live there. Yeah. It's like settlements of, like, yeah. really, really extreme Irish people. There's a river. Gosh. Yeah, from, yeah from, the, from the Charles River to the fucking sea, dude. Yeah, could you imagine that? Good Lord. Yeah, I'm glad that we've started and insulted the Irish within a minute, within a minute and a half. Did you watch the uh, France game today, Matt? Absolutely did. Um, really. France, France v. Morocco? V. Morocco. Yeah. Yes. It was uh, It was great. <laughs> a, a thing that was really uh, uh, heartwarming. Oh, I'm a France fan. I'm, uh, you know, my in-laws are French. My wife's French. I have an Mbappe jersey from yeah. my brother-in-law that I wear proudly. Your once, Hanson shirt. Mm-hmm. Once every four years. Yeah. And uh, and so it was great. And then after the, the match, which was a very – it was closer than 2 nothing would suggest – um, the, uh, the the teams who knew each other, a lot of them knew. Like the guys in the Moroccan team were born in France and play in France. Obviously, yeah, the, yeah, the sure. two countries have a lot of um, history yes. uh, together. Um, <laughs> but the players know each other and, and like they're taking off each other's shirts and jerseys and swapping mm, them. Sounds hot. It's yeah. super hot. I mean, yeah. have you seen Mbappe? Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. he's, he's doing all right. Mm. Qatar tried to shut it down. They're like, mm. this very game. <laughs> no, no, no. Super, yeah. Yeah, super duper. Men holding hands, fine. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Wearing makeup, totally fine. And it was this like wonderful display of of like, and then like the, the French guys were like consoling the Moroccans. Like, you guys yeah. kicked ass. First African team to get in the, in the semifinals. Yeah. Yeah, First Muslim good. country uh, team to get in the semifinals. It was amazing. Yeah. And you had to root for them. They played their hearts out and it was great. 
and this really like, you know, uh, super gay, not gay kind of uh, com- uh, camaraderie ship or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then immediately people in the, the Moroccans and, and Muslims and France just start burning shit yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. around the, the great, corner. The great thing about that was that I said to you earlier in the day, they're going to burn shit. And it doesn't matter if they win or lose <laughs> because indeed. they were it's winning. True. Before, and they were, like, burning neighborhoods. When, well, in, is... in Belgium, they burned shit when they won. So yeah. I went to University of Maryland, they. College Park. I, I went to, to state school. <laughs> I'm willing to, willing to acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, although it's it's the crown jewel of the University of Maryland system. Are, they, are there others? College Park. Yeah, there's a bunch. Eastern oh. Shore. That one sucks. Wow. Oh, man, these are bad ones. Yeah. Where'd you go? Eastern Shore. <laughs> also yeah. the state. Yeah. System as well. Are they also um, the Terps? Is it the Terps? No. The Terps, the Terps is us, it's College just, Park. Okay, okay. It's the real, the legitimate, the only Eastern Shore are the, like, the one-legged crabs or like what? They are Eastern Shore. I believe they're the Labradors. <laughs> that is or is honestly that UMBC. the most embarrassing shit I've ever heard. No, UMBC is the Wiener Labradors. dogs would be a little bit worse. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> terrapins, like, terrapins kill shit. Like, yeah, they, yeah. They're carnivorous. Yeah, dogs are just annoying. Yeah. Just bite you. So, piss on your leg. Hump your leg, actually. Never had any Oh, man. But we used to wreck shit. After football games, like regularly, routinely. win, 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 lose, draw. win or lose. Yeah, right. like, but you're like college going kids, and you're drunk, and you're you're wrecking your own shit, right? You're burning yeah. your own yeah. dorm couch. Like you, you win an away game. Your football team does. You go to the stadium, you rip up the goalpost, and you yeah. carry it down yeah. the main street. The interesting thing is <laughs> really bad. I'm sorry. Can I say this? All right, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, the thing that's <laughs> different is stuff. like. <laughs> Is that they? I saw that the Moroccan team uh, uh, were praying at one point. Did you see that? There's a photo there. I hope oh. so. They were praying, and they were. I don't know. They before, thought it was before great. after they played. Uh, it might have been after. They so were, that was the mistake, right they there. Got, they're close to Mecca, and they just they got their bearings, and they, yeah. And um, you know, everyone says, oh, it's the first like Muslim country team." So let's just let's let's allow that as the category of Muslim. We're allowing Muslims now. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, well, hold on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this they shouldn't be drinking. If they're actually, uh, you know, if they're devout and if they, if these are Muslim fans, they shouldn't be drinking, which means they're doing this shit sober, unlike the people <laughs> of, like, you know, uh, Philadelphia, <laughs> who are like, you know, John Crux stuck, struck out and they burned down a police station. That's you know? true. But this, so, is, but this yeah. is why I mentioned my, my experience And it's win or university. lose for them. And it's consistent multiple days. But this is why I mentioned my experience at university, because yeah, yeah, yeah. there were a number of people who knew yes. that this was likely to happen, and they would come mm-hmm. to College Park yeah. for the purpose yeah. Yeah, they're called criminals. Yeah. In the mayhem. Yeah, it's going to burn shit. It's fun so to it's, write. It's, it's fun. It's very likely that there are some French of, fans. Uh, I mean, there's in some, the rabble. There's they're all just scumbags. It's yeah. not like I mean, but they also stop a car, pull someone out of their vehicle, and force away. them to run away. <laughs> yeah, that dude, yeah, yeah. that dude ran as fast as Mbappe. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> wow, that's why you guys fucking lost. <laughs> he's just slow, trying to get him out of his car, and he's like fucking high stepping all the way down the Champs Elysees. <laughs> At UC Santa Barbara, which was a really important yeah, basketball. Yeah, everyone does it, by the way. I have to say, school. this is not unique to, to the Moroccans. Uh, just but we beat uh, UNLV back when they dominated the world under uh, Tark the Shark in the late 80s. And yeah. they'd won for a year and a half straight. UCSB uh, was the one who broke them. Uh, uh, Brian Shaw, B. Shaw was part of that team. Mm. Uh, and man, was that riot in Isla Vista tasty. Yeah. yeah. Just like, let's 
burn some couches, throw them over the cliff. Let's yeah, this one doesn't seem celebratory, though. No, it's, no. It seems <laughs> angrier. Yeah, there's a little bit of anger. It's a little angry. It's not like it's not like guys. I'm used to the guys with like a fucking Tweety Bird tattoo, and he's like pissing on like a Ford logo on his chest, yeah. and he's like on top of a car with no <laughs> shirt on. And this one is just like, these guys have like balaclavas on. <laughs> what like, what looting shit. I was like, hmm, that's a little different. What percentage of people who participate or observe uh, a, a fracas like this have to be injured in order for it to no longer be considered mostly peaceful? Huh. How many stores have to be robbed, I guess? Would it's, be one. it's in France. So no one is like uh, describing the um, the Muslim youths burning shit as mostly peaceful because France <laughs> is not a Muslim yeah, they don't, country. They don't. Well, um, they also – not a Protestant country either. I can tell you by, by – uh-huh. like, one of the first things out of the mouth of uh, my wife's dear parents who I love so much um, – was basically like, uh, you know, he's okay for a Protestant. Yeah. Like, 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 <laughs> yeah. How did Muslims think they were going to integrate? Yeah. They can't even get their brains around uh, the Protestants. Yeah. No, uh, I, yeah. I, they, they've been burning shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, every yeah. New Year's Eve in Strasbourg is just a nightmare in the northern, northern part of France. It's just a nightmare and has been for a long time. You know, I think what it does is that you, the, the political conversation that happens, <clears throat> we were talking about our, our friend Thomas Jefferson Williams, who was responding to someone uh, CJ Whirly Gig or whatever yep. his name is. Whirly Gig. Yeah, yep. he's, he's some um, uh, former atheist uh, and plagiarist who's now uh, fighting Islamophobia. That's what it says on his. No, no, he's not fighting. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah, he's fighting it. He's, he's fighting. an activist mm-hmm. yeah, against yeah. Islamophobia. Exactly. Exactly. Because um, if you don't put right that... on time with that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Really, just <laughs> twenty-five years too late. But all right. So no, he said like, uh, yeah, you know, the French team, uh, you had to have a bunch of Moroccans yeah. and it, it took a team full of Arab and African migrants to defeat Morocco <laughs> is the uh, is the tweet. That's not <clears throat> I mean, that's that's somebody approaching this from the left sounding like they're approaching it from the far right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that's what like people in the French far right would say. They're not really French. Yeah. I and mean, they're French. I mean, these guys, most of them were born in France. It's basically like saying Jews aren't French. Yeah. At yeah, that right. point. Well, like, Thomas, Thomas's reply is very thoughtful, I think. Um, and I think he's making a specific point. So I'll read it and then explain what I think he's saying. Every time this claim is made, it's offensive as hell and only echoes racist far right talking points that seek to other non whites. The majority of these players were born in France a cosmopolitan and multi-ethnic society and every bit as French as anyone else. I think some people read that and think he's saying, oh, this person is being racist. But I think what he's actually suggesting is that there is a bit of necessary race essentialism in every such expression of a sentiment like this, that these people are somehow less French Mm -hmm. because they happen to be Arab or African. But also, it sounds like this is a a lame joke that uh, Thomas, in his follow-up tweet, suggests had been told by Trevor Noah like four years earlier. I mean, the guy is... is, um, He he did, yeah. In his own mind, is standing for these people. Yeah. Like he's standing yeah, he thinks, up yeah. for the, the, the bruised dignity of killing Mbappe, who is a fucking phenomenal soccer player, yeah. um, who is absolutely comfortable in his life. Mm-hmm. He should be because he will kick your ass and run even faster than the guy who's running away from the dudes pulling him out of his car. Um, he's uh, astonishing. So what are you doing uh, when you're making a, a statement like that? You're not actually protecting the people that you say that you're protecting at all you're reminding them that they should maybe feel weirder about being in the country that they're in that's that's not helpful yeah he was born in paris yeah 
right? So Paris, France. It was yeah. yeah, not Paris, Texas. Yeah, which is uh, not not producing a lot of not a mi- not a migrant. <laughs> yeah, not a migrant citizen. Yeah, a citizen of France. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the on one end, and of course you have the far right people. You know, why can't our teams be white? Which. Did we hear that? When's the last time we heard well, that? Well, I, I, mean, I, I thought something else was coming. Which well, no, is fair. <laughs> we were we were talking about and listening to the great uh, Shane Gillis before we started. God, he's so funny. And Shane Gillis, Shane, a, you should come on. Yeah, our you should come on the show. Yeah. Uh, he he has a bit in that special about, about and he actually has a sketch on his. Uh, he has like a Gillian something. It's like a kind of a sketch show he does. Talking about Alabama and not allowing black people on the team, and then realizing that they had to when they had black people on the team, they started winning. Yeah, and like, and it's like in the sketch, it has the coach being like, you know, I don't, we don't want these people on the team. At the end, he's wearing a dashiki. <laughs> it's not that far yeah. from how it happened. And he's like, that's how you become accepted. And he said, like, the joke is, if uh, transgender people want to be accepted, they have to have like a pretty hard nose uh, football team. They have to put together like a great football team. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. That's that's the um, thing on the other end is like the far right people say the same thing. And, you know, on on the people rioting, you know, it's interesting because you said this today and this always is not always true, but it's it's more true than it isn't that it's the second generation people. The first generation immigrants uh, don't act this way. Yeah. They're happy to be in France. They're happy to have a new life and uh, leave something usually pretty crappy behind uh, in favor of a place that allows them a lot more economic freedom, and a lot more religious freedom, whatever it might be. And then the second generation is where, where it all goes wrong. I mean, that, you see that in 7-7, uh, the bombing in London. The people were all second generation. I think all of them were. Yeah. Um, and you have this in Belgium in um you know the attack in belgium on the, on the i think some of the charlie hebdo charlie uh, hebdo i think was as well part of that and this is a point that i tried to make at the dawn of trumpism when there was a lot of respectable and less respectable like conservative thumb sucking about european uh, migration problem which is something we've talked about on this yeah. podcast a ton and what i was trying to argue and of course it was unsuccessful ultimately is that in highlighting the European problem, which is sort of specific to Europe and doesn't understand the differences between Europe and the United States, which are vast, and Michael has talked about this a lot, like you can be against um, certain migration things in Europe and totally for those the same US. things yeah, in the U.S. For sure. And the, the key linchpin there is the sense of how do you assimilate? Are you good at it or not? They're nothing not. They're and not. America is amazing. We're an assimilation machine. We always have been. Every single... Uh, point of of uh, of migration of any size has been seen as these crazy other people who have crazy you know Seventh Day Adventist religions. I'm just <laughs> making that up to to make sure Camille's paying attention. But like, no, they have weird religions. Catholicism was a weird religion for yeah. for a whole bunch of people, um, and they're not going to they're not going to speak English. And without fail, every single immigrant class, the third generation, speaks English and doesn't speak the native language. There isn't an exception to that rule. There never has been. They tend to move out of cities, too. They tend to move out of cities. They become suburban swing voters. They do all this kind of stuff in places that don't assimilate immigrants that well. And and France has more um, practice than, you know, 80% of other European countries do. France and England are arguably the best at it at Switzerland in its own way, just because it's a weird multi-ethnic country. Um, so they're good at it, and they're still not good at it compared to yeah. America. Yeah. And so it's the the second generation become more radicalized because it sucks to be a 22-year-old in France and has been 
bad for 30 years if you are as French as CJ Whirly Gig uh, mm-hmm. yeah. imagines that you can Whirly be. It's, it's not yeah. fun. And then if you're living in a banlieue somewhere, um, it's super not fun. And also there's a bunch of other kind of ideological things whirling around. So, yeah, we don't have a lot of that second immigration. Yeah, I mean, if you state. grow up poor in the 19th arrondissement of, uh, of Paris, right? And then it kind of coincides. I mean, France is a little behind us in this way, but it's catching up pretty quickly. And it coincides with a broader idea about identity, which is not one that's inclusive. And I'm not saying that the French government is like this or French political parties, but there's definitely an intellectual instinct in France, much like there is in the US and the UK, to otherize people in what they believe to be a positive way. I mean, we always, there was a time in which otherizing people was bad, right? And now when you're otherizing people and saying, the reason this is happening is because of your identity, people start clinging onto that identity in a much, much more aggressive way than they would have otherwise, right? And I think that that's why you have generationally now, unlike generationally, you know, 25, 30 years ago, when there's been immigration for a very long time in the UK, in in France, particularly, you know, I mean, the UK, you think, you know, Jamaican immigrants, for instance, I'm trying to see if he's paying attention. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm paying attention. Keep, I'm, I'm yeah, piling up the, the fact checks. Yeah, he's, he's, he's <laughs> fact checking. Yeah. 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 In fact checking. There, and, I mean, in fact, only there because are no seven, Jamaicans that have ever been in England. No, no. Yeah. But Seventh-day Adventism was founded in the United States. Yeah, I know. Creek, Michigan, it? I know. 1863. It's oh, one of our right. freak. 30 years after the Mormons. Uh, those are our two, our two but, greatest uh, homebrew religions. I appreciate them both. Yeah. I thought you were going to say our two greatest hoax religions. Well, any religion. Scientology. Any religion. A bit more. Founded after the 1800s is suspect. Yeah. God would wait that long to give the true revelation of his desires. And, and then tell you that the shit's in upstate New York? Yeah. Come, come <laughs> on. Tell the guy who writes rough. science fiction. Uh, that, <laughs> by the way, there's some plates and that shit is, oh no, that's Mormonism. I'm con- conflating it with, they're both in Scientology. Scientology. Yeah. 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 Scientology. Are you sure that L. Ron Hubbard is not the, the uh, Latter-day Saint? Are you positive? He's the second coming of Joseph Smith. He might be. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Yes. I don't know that he ever made that claim. Does Seventh Day Adventism have like a like a, a, a guru, someone at the top? Yeah, Rick. There's ben a Carson. whole there's a whole thing. <laughs> a there's a time. conference that directs the course of the assemblage. That's a thing that always happens. It's ben Carson, isn't like it? most ben most religious movements yeah. have some sort Ooh. of leadership. Yeah, now he's generalizing. This is yeah. true. Yeah. But they also, I mean, they have founders. Have you ever read Tingly Hands, uh, Ben Carson's book? (laughs) Which have odd. In which he talks about the founding of the rhythm. Gifted hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which make you tingle. Yes. You're getting the causation wrong. Well, it's it's funny because the place that I go in Chinatown to get relief is called Gifted Hands. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Plagiarism. Yeah. It's like, wait, is this Ben Carson's joint? They're like, no. Might be. No. No. It'd be so sleepy. (laughs) We need to have a border on on, uh, an ocean. Yeah. <laughs> That's going so you could sneak up on your ass. Yeah. Um, but there is more that's happening in the world than, than just soccer. Soccer, right? And like, people some burning France down because their team lost or won. Well, there's some interesting news this week about fusion. There's a, a breakthrough. Oh, I thought you meant the shitty thing in Miami that was run by Univision. No, no, no. Fusion, oh. like nuclear fusion. Yeah, that shit confuses me. The thing that happens inside of the sun on mm. account of the sun being so massive. Yes. It's just like the gravity actually creates this fusion in its core. So there's this perpetual power source in our solar system that makes life possible here on earth and it was announced this week that there have been some remarkable breakthrough that i'll just say this they can put in a little bit of power and get more power out than they put in 
And that's actually kind of remarkable. Without any can, exhaust, right? And, yes. Okay. W- well, without any harmful waste. Yes. And if you can scale this sort of thing, what you might be talking about 10, 20 years from now is dirt cheap, virtually free, nearly unlimited power for the entire planet. Like that is game changer. That Take is that discovery pretty, of fire yeah. level shit. Granted, this is very far away. And the discovery that was recently made, there is a punch of qualifications that seem important. Wait, but have they done the way, announcement yet? exciting. They're, they're supposed yeah. to do the announcement. Yeah, they, they, did the announcement. Uh, they did the it's, announcement. It's above my head. Yeah, they did yeah. the announcement. This and, actually got some more was, coverage than I would have expected. Some of it was kind of political. Politicians were making the announcement. <clears throat> it was, it was uh, mentioned, as far as I'm aware, that you know, there's some funding that can come up here. Yeah. Um, this, re- this, this needs to be replicated, but but we have been making progress along these lines. And people have been spin- sinking billions and billions of dollars into this search for alternative energy, and it has tons of tremendous implications. Obviously, power being much cheaper is better for everyone, but also the global cataclysm that we've been concerned about with respect to greenhouse gases. A universe where that is possible is one where a lot of our current conversations about these what are these people going to yell at me for i was going to say well they'll keep yelling at you until what's greta going to do to you (laughs) what are they going to do yeah Yeah, i don't know (laughs) but but i mentioned that you can make fun of her now because she's like 30 she's (laughs) (laughs) right hasn't she she's pivoted to capitalism now yes yeah she's like well her parents have system for everyone goes goes right for her it's like i know it sucks because you're famous (laughs) that's when i knew it was wrong (laughs) so that that happened and that's good and i mentioned that out front because it's the most important thing that that is likely to be discussed it is actually I just grain of salt uh, when uh, we were talking about this in the Slack channel at mm-hmm. Reason, and I'm not mm-hmm. talking too much out of school mm-hmm. about this. Someone's like, yeah, I remember my college paper wrote uh, a piece about how fusion's coming just around the corner, and that was like 20 years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I remember when my college paper yeah. wrote that same piece in 1980-fucking-nine, and, yeah. it, and it looked great. And I remember the spread. I was pasting it up and like typesetting it. We made it look all pretty, yeah, because uh, that we had typesetting. That's how long ago it was, yeah. sure. Um, and if it looked great, and I was super convinced in 1989 that really soon, you know, we were going to have the proverbial, you know, snail that poops out yes, clean energy for sure via uh, the sun. Uh, and so I look forward to that. Something yes. like that will happen at some point. I'm not sure it's that sometime soon, but I hope. Yeah, this is this is a milestone. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. Some yeah. good news. Um, I feel I feel like um, uh, butthead or something when this. Is I'm like, uh, okay. No, none of us. <laughs> none none of us really actually know it. what we're talking about. Yeah. I have my fingers. I know crossed. the cold fusion didn't work. It was a bit of a hoax. <laughs> it's it's kind, kind of a hot fusion. Yeah, yeah. So I don't understand it. Um, but there's there's other stuff happening as well. Um, we had the Fed meet today, who raised rates again, although they only raised it half a point. Yep. So this suggests that they're slowing down. Perhaps things are getting better. We'll see. They're at least somewhat optimistic about things. There was a new piece of legislation passed that defends the institution of marriage that actually enjoyed some bipartisan support and that seems to be an actual manifestation of political compromise out of the Congress. And interracial marriage because there were so amazing. many people coming for that. Yeah, well, this is what we were promised <laughs> after after the decision on Roe v. Wade. We were yeah. promised that interracial marriage and gay marriage right around the corner would be struck down by the courts, and it was imminent. This was the end of days, hence all of the the impassioned (laughs) protests. Um, But that activism, it seems, produced a result, which is, as opposed to Apocalypse Now, we got a piece of legislation passed, which is actually fairly moderate and includes apparently some compromises from progressives who 
acknowledge that, well, yeah, certain religious organizations probably ought to have some exceptions. But in general, this is the, the Congress using the powers delegated to them via the Commerce Clause to ensure that people who get married in a state that allows that sort of thing mm-hmm. aren't unduly discriminated against when they go to a state mm-hmm. that disallows that sort of thing, which is, I mean, this is how it's supposed to work. And Hi. explicitly rejecting the Defense of Marriage Act, which yes. I remember very well in the 1990s, back when the Democrats were triangulating, like, we can get this issue so that social conservatives are going to vote for us because we're normal now. Yeah. Um, and it sucked. And it was a lonely- Joe Biden, who who uh, full-throatedly defended it uh, in 2007, 8, 9, around that time. Uh, he was, I think it was even 11, uh, or he full-throatedly uh, uh, defended DOMA back then, yeah. but then became the agent in 2013 of trial ballooning uh, Obama's willingness to recognize gay marriage, which, of course, we mostly have memory hold Mm -hmm. that it was a standard Democratic Party position. He was elected to office opposing opposing gay marriage. The the thing about the Biden thing of uh, Jarak Jabiden, I saw, I think it was on Twitter or something, somebody had a clip. It might have actually come from Tucker Carlson or something, but there's something. It doesn't matter where it came from. There's a clip of Biden talking about this. I don't know. Um, It it came from somewhere, but him talking about this in I guess it was 2007 or eight, something like that. And he didn't sound like he was faking it. He was like angry. It's an angry uh, bit of audio in which Catholic. Yeah, in which he's like, he's like, why the fuck are we paying attention to this? We we have the defense of marriage. Why are these people pushing? gay marriage, this is ridiculous, and blah, blah, blah. And it's not, it's an off-the-cuff thing. Mm-hmm. And it shows you, as if you needed more evidence, I mean, this is something that if you pay attention, any pay attention to politics at all, you know this the first day you start paying attention, is that these people believe in nothing. You know, this is a, a matter of getting elected. This is a matter of, like, you know, I, I, I don't think Barack Obama, you know, was opposed to gay marriage when he opposed it, right? I don't think he was actually opposed to it when he was opposing it. Or the legalization of marijuana when he laughed at people who brought it up. I think Joe Biden actually was uh, kind of offended by the idea of gay marriage. I mean, just listening to that clip, it's like (laughs) this guy does not seem like he's just, you know, taking a position. The radical proposition on offer here, folks, for anyone listening, is that Joe Biden, we think he was actually telling the truth. Yeah, he said yeah. something publicly. Yeah, yeah. And now he's like, I get trans people. Come on, come on, get a trans. Get a trans. And then the trans. By the way, someone pointed out they had a person, um, a trans. This is like this is why the own goals on this are really amazing. There was like a trans person that came to the White House for the signing. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? And had tweeted something rather offensive, like six months ago. Maybe it was longer, but it was like something about kids. Wow. Oh. And it was something. It was really bad. It was really bad. And it's like you're, you're playing into the hands of the crazies. And then, again, this is actually crazy. And you can look it up. I don't even know what it says. But it was, the it important thing is not even that person or any other person's or other people's hypocrisy going backwards, although that's there's a lot to learn from that. But they just went ahead and signed it. You know, like mm-hmm. this, this became a moment of panic slash opportunism in the wake of uh, the Supreme Court decision about abortion. And – a bunch of senators were like, "All right, well, well let's let's fix it then," um, which weirdly they can do at any time. And they struck down DOMA, which was shitty, um, and they uh, recognize where America has gone. As soon as you were allowed to in California, I believe led the way in this. And it might have even been Gavin Newsom, San Francisco, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, had the first 
gay weddings. Um, and it was like sweet old grandmas get married. And similarly to pot, when it was legalized on a, by, you know, using the medical exemption that Michael, you know, he's been very sick for a long time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in order to get. But as soon as like my dad, a Fox News dad um, in the Shane Gillis parlance um, saw that, oh, the, and my sister too, they, oh, those people, uh, the, the sweet, nice people are just getting married. Um, it took the edge off all of it, just like the corner pot shop. Oh, they're not all insane people. Uh, Michael accepted. Um, and uh, and that's where the country has gone like so much. Um, and all you have to do instead of sitting around and, 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 uh, and creating fantasies about how horrible Brett Kavanaugh is or whatever it is that you're upset about, um, the legislature actually can make laws. And mm-hmm. strike down Shocking. shitty laws Shocking. and just say, hey, look, you know, let's let's acknowledge the reality that we live in right now and codify it in law. And that could be used as a model for a bunch of other stuff. It won't be, if, of course, but um, it's pretty to think so for half a second. Yeah, and, and, and particularly when we were hearing around that time that we were trundling towards fascism and this is, you know, outlaw, I mean, loving – Mm-hmm. Uh, versus Virginia, all these things would just only a matter of time go up and smoke, yeah. and be be a matter of time. You have so. to pay attention to where the country is on some level. Like today, so um, it's the seventy plus odd plus people who support gay marriage. It's I remember, like, I remember interviewing Rand Paul for a feature for Newsmax magazine uh, in twenty fourteen, and uh, back then we were talking about um, the possibility of uh, the U.S. getting involved in the Syrian war. Um, so actually it was probably the interview was in 2013, but it was soon afterwards. Um, and, and he pointed out that opposition to us intervention in the Syrian war in 2013, it's an 80-20 issue. 80% of the public doesn't want the U S yeah. to be involved yeah. in Syria. They saw the debacle in Iraq. Libya two years previous. Yeah. And, I mean, Iraq is probably even, even much more. Yeah. But like that, like. Libya was the last time that we're doing that yeah. for any for – any, but the point that he made is like you – as a politician, as someone who's like running for office and in his case statewide office, you want 80-20 issues. Yeah. <laughs> you just want to find the 80-20 issue. And recognition of gay marriage right now is getting close yeah. to an 80-20 issue. And people who imagine that there's a theocracy or even you know a, a communist takeover because people do imagine that every fucking day too mm-hmm. – um, uh, are imagining that somehow the 80-20 math is not going to obtain and not going to have influence on politics. It always does. Everyone, it's yeah. really rare that it doesn't. Everyone is transfixed by primaries, right? And that's people on both sides of this, is that those who are out there, you know, that with this tub-thumping crazy rhetoric about um, it's all over, democracy's ending, the Tim Snyders of the world, people who actually have qualifications, I would say in other fields, but seem, you know, this is the Yale guy saying this, this is the woman from NYU, Ruth Ben, whatever. And they are paying attention to these kind of either marginal figures, you know, it's all QAnon all the time, or people who are kind of, you know, make a lot of noise and they might have some influence. I mean, this, I think this was the pushback we got on and, Robert Draper, too. And that influence might be growing. And that, might, that influence yeah. might be growing. And it, it's possibly worth paying attention to. It probably usually is worth paying attention to. But it's, for their purposes, always worth overstating, too. And that is also true of the people who believe this, this is, you know, they believe that rhetoric on the other side. And we need, you know, Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, which is like, you're going to get blown out of the water because you're, you're mentally ill. 
you know, Don Boldock in, in New Hampshire. Like, in New Hampshire? Like, this is not the live free or die state of, you know, four years ago. This is like a lot of people from Massachusetts have moved up to New Hampshire. It's not, you know, the Free State Project kind of thing. This guy's a crazy person. They think he's a crazy person. You know, we should have learned these lessons with Christine O'Donnell and Sharon Angle. And, um, you know, who's the guy in, was it um, in Iowa or Indiana? It's Indiana. Indiana, who's the like the bo- legitimate abortion, rape the guy. Legitimate rape guy, yeah. <laughs> um, thankfully, I don't remember his name because yeah. that should be occupied by like a memory of my daughter doing something fun. <laughs> you know? Why? Rather, rather than, you know, what? I, I'm just, I'm Todd saying, something. It was Todd. Todd t- yeah. T- uh, yeah. Todd uh, Phillips. Uh, Todd. I don't remember Todd's name was. But that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like we've been through this before and it, it's great for MSNBC. Right, it's great for the goofballs that have crazy podcasts, and on the other side that, that say, you know, these this is what, where America has to come. I mean, Peter Thiel, who we've discussed in the show, Todd Aiken, uh, Todd Aiken, yeah. yeah, I got the Todd, yeah, you yeah. got the Todd, it's good. Um, Peter Thiel uh, spoke today or something or yesterday. I don't know. I think it was today about the election. And said, "Oh yeah, that was a big fuck up." <laughs> oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I mean, there's been, there been a bunch not. of writing about him being somewhat disappointed uh, because yes. the Blake Masters. Um, I mean, he got one. He went one for the whatever. part of it that's not merely yeah. disastrous, but also depressing. Is just the sense that if we got, if we don't do something different. We're just going to be in this Groundhog Day where something like this is going to repeat in 2024 or throughout the rest of the decade. Well, I don't know what that means exactly. It's a bit of a bit of a nonsense sentence in the sense like are you, are you saying that you are part of this in the Blake Masters way are you saying that we need to turn away from this stuff I mean I'd have to listen to the whole speech I hope and I've said unkind things about Peter Thiel on this podcast previously and I, I mean I this I haven't in, noticed that I mean this in a, uh, a spirit of uh, of generosity um, and and uh, honesty I hope that he gets to the place where I think the Koch brothers got to by I don't know when you would film the the date exactly Camille but like 2010 20, uh, 20 maybe 2014 um, post tea party uh, post tea party and also maybe it was uh, around uh, Trump era but also George Soros got two like both of those uh, and I've talked about this before in the past um, those guys are mirror images of them of each other in some way because they have this long 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 life in philanthropy mm-hmm. and projects and being explicitly anti-political mm-hmm. um, and like yeah. they want these philosophical these ideological um, and sometimes pragmatic goals they're going to go after them and then late in life uh, convince themselves and I'm speaking a little bit out of turn, but not too much, um, that the other side was so bad that they must be stopped. And Soros got there earlier. The Kochs got there afterwards. And then both of them got to a point where like, I'm not so sure that was a great investment. And maybe let's yeah. spend a little bit less it's, time it's into sa- this. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I hope Teal gets there. It sounds like that's what he's saying. If you guys can, you know, tell me what this means. Um, in the first sentences here is from The Hill who says those losses, the GOP's losses in Pennsylvania and Georgia specifically, uh, came despite this year's midterms being, quote, structurally set up for GOP wins, Teal said, yeah. citing issues like inflation and rising mm-hmm. gas prices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now here's a quote from Peter Pendulum Teal. Pendulum swing, too. Yeah. If you can't sort of win in that kind of context, how are you ever going to win? Mm-hmm. Teal asked, <laughs> arguing that Republicans failed to put forward a, quote, substantive agenda uh-huh. and ran a, quote, discombobulated campaign overall. Oh, yeah. Diversity was more of a weakness than a strength in our party, he said comparing the GOP to, quote, the ragtag rebel 
alliance in the Star Wars film series. Now, I'm not sure I understand this. Sure. Uh, yeah. Because if he's saying, you know, diversity was more, we, and, and again, this is a word that's been so brutalized. I don't know what that means. That nobody knows what it means yeah. anymore. Is that diversity meaning there were candidates from the center, center right, far right, that kind of diversity? I, I, mm-hmm. I suppose that's what he's saying. If you can't win in this context, because uh, they didn't put forward a substantive agenda, he funded one of the people who lost. And yeah. I know he, at the second round, Mitch McConnell didn't do anything and he backed out. He didn't yeah. put any more money in for, for Blake Masters in Arizona. Yeah. But it seems like, yeah, yes, you can't win in that context. How are you ever going to win? Well, I can tell you, don't run candidates like that. It's mm-hmm. very simple. Well, well, I think the calculus there is that, and, and I have not talked to Peter about any of this stuff. I've known him a little bit, but I don't have any insight into exactly what he's thinking about this because I've never talked to him about the race. But I suspect what he was thinking with respect to Masters in Arizona is that you need Blake Masters to win the primary. You actually have to appeal to these Kerry Lake Trumpian sentiments about stolen elections, et cetera, et cetera, in order to have a chance to win the Republican primary. And I don't know if that's wrong or not. Um, I do know that in the general, that the Blake Masters who predated the Blake Masters who just ran for office, the one who was quite a bit more explicitly libertarian, a narco-capitalist is probably a better description, that that Blake Masters almost certainly would have done better in the general, probably would have won the general election if he was sufficiently moderate with his libertarian offerings. But here's the thing, like (laughs) Arizona is a Republican state. Yeah. It's a Republican state. Doug Ducey is arguably the most, you know, he's right there with Ron DeSantis and arguably, I think, a more effective governor, or at least he's done stuff that I'm more impressed with. I'm really impressed with DeSantis, very strident, like we're going to open the schools. That's his greatest accomplishment. And Mm -hmm. it's a great one. Mm -hmm. Um, And like he's been a hard ass on COVID in a way that I, you know, 90% appreciate. uh, And he did that at a time that it was awkward and uncomfortable and he took a lot of heat. Ducey did all kinds of really cool Mitch Daniels like (laughs) sensible libertarian flavored reform, like Mm -hmm. pension reform shit. Sure. Like no more like, you know, defined uh, benefit contribution stuff. And uh, I could see everyone's falling asleep already, but also occupational licensing, um, uh, like in a way that led the entire uh, uh, country. School choice led the entire country. Like he's better on all of these issues that people have been talking about for a really long time um, and actually did something about them. And so in a state where you're Republican and you have a two term governor who does all these really good things, that's a weird place to say we must have. Uh, uh, a super Trumpian person to win the primary. You just had a two-term governor do fine. Now, it could be that he did fine and that the atmosphere in which that he could do fine doesn't exist anymore. But I kind of find that a little bit hard to believe. Well, if you you think of these things, you're talking about a two-term governor, you know, he has somebody that he supported who won. That's J.D. Vance. Mm-hmm. Right? And J.D. Vance has a lot of name recognition. He has a film about his, his uh, childhood uh, on Netflix directed by Ron Howard, et cetera. The governor of that state in Ohio, Mike DeWine, won by about 25 points. J.D. Vance won, won by four. Won by the least amount of any statewide Republican by yes. a lot. It was, like, I think, by three or four. Mike DeWine wins by 25. So that's a pretty telling in some way. It's like he won, though, and I said he wouldn't at some point. Yeah, he won in like, you know, it wasn't looking very good early on. It wasn't very looking very good early on. And he did pull out a victory from the jaws of defeat. But at the same time, if that's your success, 
It's not one hell of a success in Ohio, right? And, you know, he goes on, and this is the thing, I, I'm reading this in real time, so you have to excuse me. He goes on and attacks Mitch Daniels and Paul Ryan, and uh, he says that Mitch Daniels, uh, you know, says you shouldn't talk about anything substantive at all, sort of a nihilistic, maybe a passive-aggressive form of nihilism or something like that, which is kind of uninspiring. And then there was maybe sort of an opposite problem, something like the detailed Paul Ryan policy wonkery, where you go into a lot of details, but somehow the ideas are unpopular and your checkmate on move one. I don't think he's wrong about that, by the way. I don't think he's wrong about that. But that is how you get to Trumpism, right? And it's a, it's, there's a jump that's made by people that because of a guy who used to hand out Ayn Rand books to people on staff and who used to say that I'm a free market guy, I'm a, I'm, I have a degree in economics, and I talk about markets and I talk about To be clear, that's trade. Paul Ryan, not it's Mitch Paul Daniels. Ryan, not Mitch Daniels, yeah. Um, or uh, <laughs> Mitch McConnell, not Mitch Daniels. Um, oh, he's talking about Mitch, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, sorry. If okay, I said that's... Mitch Daniels, I was repeating what you just said. Okay. But, um, <laughs> no, that's an important difference. Yeah, it's a very yeah. important difference because I actually like Mitch Daniels. He was, what, the head of Purdue University now? Um, just, uh, uh, just, just announced his resignation. resignation yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, you, you, <laughs> like that is actually true in the sense that it's very hard. And this is not a thing about what you can convince people that these are good ideas, right? Ray, Reaganites did a very good job of this, by mm-hmm. the way. You know, the, the, you know, even if it's, you know, uh, Laffer curve stuff people aren't getting into, right? You're not talking about the Laffer curve. You're not talking about supply side stuff. Mm-hmm. You're talking about, you know, less taxes means more growth. It means more money in your pocket. That more actually, freedom. More freedom. That actually but you, works. But you do have to actually get around to proposing ideas. Precisely. Which you, in many instances they just it, don't do. Yes. And, and to say that, you know, Ryan is – the policy wonkery isn't popular. It's like, well, yes, not, nothing wonky is ever popular. Mm-hmm. If it was on the other end. If it was a, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders talking about some, you know, elaborate tax credit scheme is not right. going to be necessarily popular because it's confusing right. to people, right. right? But if you can sell those ideas, people tend to like them. I think that what you do when you talk about Paul Ryan and his policy wonkery and the fact that they're unpopular and your checkmate on move one, it's like that's a delivery problem. That's a problem of actually selling it. I don't think that automatically means that, you know, Trumpism and a kind of populist type of economics is what's going to win, primarily because the people who actually go out there and sell those ideas tend to be mentally ill. That has, seems to be a problem <laughs> the Republicans have. You have these completely, you know, is Kerry Lake a better economic messenger? It's, I mean, Marco Rubio is trying to, to dress trying, those uh, yeah. clothes now. That's right. Josh Hawley is probably. That's very, I mean. And, Tom Cotton in his own ways. His own way, yeah. He's sort of doing that. And J.D. Vance will it's be. doomed. He will try to do it that now. It is doomed. Do you think, do either of you guys think, and we come from the same universe when it comes, from, when it comes to economics. We, we kind of have the same general ideas about economics. Mm-hmm. And so. I can imagine people saying that you're arguing this from a very personal level. You've been invested in this for a long time. Matt, you're the editor, you're the editor of Reason Magazine. Camille, you're an anarcho-capitalist, underscore the capitalist. True, so. True. But my thing is that I, you know, the, the Trumpian revolution when it came to populism um, hired, by the way, a lot of people that came from the world of free markets, mm-hmm. right? Like Larry Kudlow and, and people like Stephen that. Stephen Moore. Stephen Moore, mm-hmm. et cetera. Fake economists like that. <laughs> but they didn't it, – it lasted – they won one election. They get creamed this time around in the midterms. It's just limping along. Maybe – and I'm going to put this to you guys. Maybe there is a way that it gets back to a more kind of free market idea 
of economics while understanding, and this is what I think the free market types didn't grasp, and they allowed the Michael Moore um, downsize this types to really take this issue. And he didn't do a very good job at this in the 90s, but ultimately, you know, Ross Perot and NAFTA's evil, it gets, it's more purchased later on, right? But while saying that, look, this is ultimately very good for you, but there are going to be victims. We can't pretend that there aren't going to be victims. That the fact that, you know, the factories are closing down, we are in a, we are an economy right now that has more manufacturing than it's ever had, but we do with fewer people. And that's just the progress. Churns. It's progress. And we it don't hurts. want to go backwards. It's not like, you know, holy shit, when the, when the plow came along, you people, <laughs> we don't need the five guys plowing the field by hand, tilling it by hand anymore. We don't want to stop that mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, we're just going to lose five jobs. We really don't want to do that. And then, you know, the other guys somewhere else have this, you know, elaborate modern farming equipment that is allowing them to produce at 50 times the rate that you're doing it because you're saving five jobs. It's not saving jobs. You're only going to lose those jobs, right? Because the other guys are going to produce more and you're going to lose those jobs because they're going to produce more cheaper, faster. What is the way of doing this in which you can come back to some sense? And I think that Peter Thiel, a guy who's made billions of dollars, billions of dollars. Still betting pretty good. He, he's a very smart man. I don't, I, don't, I don't say that he isn't. Billions of dollars in the tech world, et cetera. And, you know, venture capital world, et cetera. These, this is the world that the party should get back to in saying that there is opportunity in America. There is, the market is going to be more right than it's wrong. It's not, you know, government intervention is not going to help you. It's not going to give you a job. It's not going to save your job. As Donald Trump told you and lied to you about. In, in the, the trade war that he created out of nothing. And Joe Biden has continued that line and this, over and over Make and over it again. a democratic issue now. Your fucking stupid president went out with steel tariffs, aluminum tariffs, all this stuff. I mean, George Bush did this on timber in 2004, I think. And that was a stupid idea at the time. But this didn't – where are those jobs? You can go back to the people that I visited. I went to the aluminum factory and did a- Are you saying that Foxconn hasn't produced a hundred I went to Foxconn too. I went to Foxconn and- uh, Paul Ryan's backyard. Paul and Ryan's backyard. I went and shot a piece of Foxconn and where did all that stuff go? That's, I mean, you just have to look at this stuff and say, I'm sorry to rant about this for too long, but you have to look at this stuff and say, Trump's agenda, you say, well, the economy grew, it was great, COVID knocked it out. There's a lot of you, – you can pause and say, is that because of what Donald Trump did? Is that because of the trajectory of the economy for X, Y, and Z reason? Um, maybe it was on the margins, things that he did. I mean, he was you know good on regulation, tax policy, et cetera, low in corporate tax rates. But would it have been better had he not wasted time, money, resources trying to prop up dead industries in America? I mean, let's get back to an economic policy that doesn't lose elections because this one's fucking losing elections, guys. I mean – I want to hear what Camille has to say about this, but I I don't want to let the moment drop of what Paul Ryan was made for. I don't like Paul Ryan. I don't like him when he has the hat on backwards and is lifting weights. Lifting weights, yeah. Like jealousy. Listening to Zell. He's jealousy. You're a hater. Yeah. He looks good. He's like oiled up as the pecs. I don't like it. You look like Harry Hamlin. (laughs) Enough, (laughs) sir. (laughs) You, sir. Looks like that guy in Airwolf. (laughs) Worst person in the world. Um, No, but what Paul Ryan pointed out, which is something that Republicans pointed out um, for a half century or more, 
um, is that the current uh, ship of state, the fiscal state, is uh, untenable mm-hmm. long term. Um, And it wasn't just weirdo Republicans saying this. It was in every single State of the Union address from 1997 to 2013. Um, It was mentioned that the long-term fiscal outlook of the country was fucked because of the promises that we made to retirees in Social Security and Medicare, basically. And all of this energy was spent. And a lot of it was bipartisan. It was more tilted Republican than not on this issue. And one of the insights... And then you hear it even in that Teal quote, which I'm, you know, I'm happy that he's rethinking all of this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I'm, I, I feel a sense of intellectual cowardice uh, on, on one level. It's a populist insight slash intellectual cowardice. He's right that it's not a winning issue. And right now in America, no one wants to hear this. No, right? this is a purely small L libertarian. There's course, nobody who's nobody who's running on this. So I, no. I'm saying all this. I'm I'm spitting into the wind. However, um, the <laughs> trust. No, it's like they're going to start cutting benefits in about five years, beginning in the Medicare trustee program, the Social Security disability program. Like in five years, there's an automatic like we're just going to have to do a you know 25 percent haircut on all recipients. You, this, you you think that will actually happen? This is in the near future. Well, the only – you have to bring more money in. I think that they'll – change, change the law. They will band-aid the money to, to mm-hmm. go in. Sure. They'll, they'll yeah. do that. But then even more money goes into that pot and that mm-hmm. becomes – instead of 67 percent of the annual yeah. expenditure, it becomes 75 or 80 percent. And it's just it, – it's an insane number. Um, and the responsible adult thing to do in that situation – is to recognize it, which is something that a lot of countries in Europe have done at various points. Um, and certainly the, all of them in the post-communist mm-hmm. world had to grapple with because they made nothing but promises that they couldn't keep to their people and they impoverished them in the meantime. Um, you, I think, as a responsible steward, have to figure out something to do with that besides say, oh, that's unpopular, you stupid Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um uh, there's more to the story than that, I think, as if you if your goal is to have some kind of responsible impact on the world. What if your goal is to just get elected and mm-hmm. keep getting elected and keep the other team from winning because of the the cultural cataclysm? The fact that if they get control, they're going to destroy everything you love and ruin the country forever, which it's is the woke mind virus I, I read on, on, yes. on a social media program which must be defeated at all costs. Uh, must be. And that's <laughs> like, that's the first precondition. And then after that, we can do some other thing. I'm not sure what that thing is anymore. <laughs> um, uh, I, I understand that that is more fun to play in that. I'm saying that someone who's really, really smart and who has been in the world of ideas for a long time, um, certainly, can uh, read uh, like graph lines and actuarial tables and look at history and see where this is going. But one can one can imagine, and it doesn't take much for us to take a time machine and go back to the summer of 2020 to some of the conversations we were having via remote connection, where I'm in my bunker down down in um, Shenandoah Valley, Virginia, with my firearms, cocking Huge my gun beard. before, we, before yeah. we start recording. And I can you remember got, distinctly saying, <laughs> distinctly saying during one of our recordings when I was watching, you know, clips of the city that I care about, that we just talked about, um, like streets that I know very well being overrun with not demonstrators, 
thugs, uh, violent rioters who were destroying storefronts and ruining people's livelihoods in New York City and in various other cities across America, who people who looked at that, very smart people who looked at that and said, oh, okay, this is what it looks like when an empire crumbles. Like looking at, at tables and graphs and imagining Social Security being insolvent in five years, all of that seems important when you imagine that, oh, we're actually going to get there and this isn't all just finished now. The, the, the ideological mind virus thing is born out of this belief that there are a dangerous set of ideas that are completely accepted by elite institutions, all of these various cultural vectors for informing children and informing people's beliefs, um, the media broadly, academia broadly, obviously the leadership of various um, uh, companies across America. The deep state. The black, black the rock. Like, <laughs> actually, actually creating a, a set of criteria that, that – ought to guide your investment decisions like what is the racial diversity um, situation at this particular company? Are they doing the right things on various environmental issues? And perhaps that could grow to expand to increase, expand to include a number of other things that are important to you. To the extent you see all this happening and you imagine, oh, something has happened. There's been a permanent, quote unquote, vibe shift. And the America and classical liberal values that one thought kind of were the, the underpinning of this project that I loved, that I thought was that, that, that was worth preserving and worth fighting for, that thing is gone and something else has taken its place. And I don't know what it is. It's probably very little we can do about it. If we're going to have any chance, then we have to win elections at all costs. Flight yeah. 93, baby. Flight 93. I'm, I'm just saying that, that is, that no, is the saying. perspective. And it was no, and and, and I'm probably so more that than – Nobody wants to hear about markets. It's nobody wants to hear about markets. Also, it doesn't matter because we're not going to have a country anymore. And it's interesting that the the kind of existential, this is the end. They're actually trying to kill us. That that sort of rhetoric is precisely the rhetoric that we find on both the left and the right. Is, as we've been talking, about it is almost purely bipartisan. Yes. I mean, I, it's it's unbelievably fucking stupid. Yeah. The people who say this should be ashamed of themselves because they don't know about anything that happened five years ago, five minutes ago. They know what they just saw on fucking YouTube. Because all you have to do is look at recent American history. If you think that this is what makes an, a, you know, an empire crumble, right. then you don't understand if you want to call American empire. I, I don't think it's probably justified in this case. But then you don't understand empires. You don't understand that there's a kind of uprising that happens in a time, this could not have happened without COVID. It's a very unique set of circumstances. Sure. It's not as if America was was working towards this over years. It had to have this cataclysmic event for that to happen. And even when it happened, it didn't last very long. You don't need politicians to adjudicate this. You don't need politicians to argue about this. This happened in 1968, right? You, people were looking and watching in Chicago. The Democratic National Convention in Chicago is happening. And you see the cops. We look at this now because who controls the narrative later? The people that were kind of in the streets in Chicago. But people were watching that. They were on the side of the cops. 
They're on the side of the cops beating mm-hmm. people up. And everyone's beating like, oh, this is, bloody hell this is, uh, this is a terrible thing. People, Democratic, not Republican. Democratic convention. convention. People don't remember the hard hat riot in New York City, which is effectively a pro-Vietnam War riot yep. opposing the, 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 the radicals that people had grown tired of. Union guys beating hell out of hippies yes, in the streets of New York. And the, the culture had shifted so quickly, so fast. Mm-hmm. That you ended up in 1980 with Ronald Reagan. Right. And then you ended up with Ronald Reagan for eight years. And then you ended up with George H.W. Bush. And then you ended up for two terms of Bill Clinton, who essentially was a fucking Republican on economic issues, on on, um, crime issues and all this stuff. Immigration. On immigration. And then you get George W. Bush for two terms, right? Mm -hmm. Until Barack Obama, you have a pretty uninterrupted the 60s lost mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> presidencies, right? Although even even Clinton Barack got a bit Obama, of 60s. Even, yeah, but he had to walk. I mean, he spent his time on, like running away from the fact. I didn't even inhale. He yeah. wasn't embracing the fact that that libertine time was changing America. It basically was him like playing a saxophone once in yeah. a while. Yeah, exactly. Which, and I, I, like, I think 60s? that th- th- you, this stuff happens. And the problem is, is we talk so much about the bubble. Right, the Twitter bubble. Mm-hmm. The difference of Twitter's not real life mm-hmm. is that, and then we fall unless unless Elon Musk is in charge, and then unless Elon Musk is in charge, it's exactly real life. <laughs> but then we fall victim ourselves to thinking this shit that's happening in the streets is something that people either appreciate or support, or you think they like when they open Amazon and everything's like, you know, this, uh, this, uh, you could buy that TV, but this one here was made by a uh, one-legged uh, Filipino trans person. <laughs> and it's like, does, is it, is it in 4k? It's like, not really. And then it was like, no, nah, I don't yeah, I'm not going to buy that. Nobody cares. Yeah. They don't fucking care at the end. Yeah. It's all about them. These people are talking to themselves, they're talking to each other, and you go out into the world and people don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. So my proposition would be a small thing, is if you look at, go to YouTube, you'll find a video that's 7 million views that says, what is quantitative easing? That was in the, the ether quite a bit in mm-hmm. 2000, you know, eight, nine, 10. Mm-hmm. People are looking this up, they care, right? If you were a candidate who was just wanted to say, and this is what I would do, not a, a, a free market fucking, you know, free to choose Milton Friedman thing. But I would go and say, why is your gas? Why are your groceries so high? Why are the prices so high? Why is no one going out and telling you why this is happening? Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you why it's happening. And this politician can tell you why it's happening. Because we fucking print money and we gave it to you. And you thought this was the best thing in the fucking world because, hey, I'm sitting around doing bupkis during this pandemic. I'm getting all this money. And then all of a sudden it's over and everything's fucking expensive. Yeah. That shit wasn't free, was it? No, it wasn't. Yeah. You spent it on fucking crypto too, you dumbass. (laughs) Fucking (laughs) Sam Bankman freed or whatever. You. I I made some good decisions because I'm not a fucking bonehead. I didn't just like leave it there. It was a quick turnaround, like our friend Nancy, who made, got a car out of it, right? <laughs> there are people that did this in the right way. But that is something you can explain to people yeah. and say that you can't print your way out of this problem. When you have- And there, and there was some of that. There was some of that. Yeah, not as, yeah. Not as much there as there should have been. No, it's, I mean, it's In true. this election, I mean, in this fucking, you know, what are these Trump idiots- Going around saying, what are they saying? Culture war street fighters. Culture war street fighters and that's it. We don't need you for that. People understand that. They don't need Blake Masters to tell you. But you might want somebody that is going to be in Congress telling you that we can actually stop this inflation or prevent it from happening in the future by not doing this and this. And that's both what Donald Trump did and Joe Biden did with these, you know, just blowout spending bills Mm -hmm. that everyone was like, oh, that's great. 
Even more. Let's put more on because, because everything's hard right now. Okay. How about we just don't do the thing that makes everything hard by shutting down the economy and then just funding it by printing money, which is quantitative easing people. Trump spent more money in three and a half years uh, just prior to the pandemic than Barack Obama spent in eight. Mm-hmm. Like in, in, in terms of increasing the baseline of federal spending, signing his name on it, it's Congress that does it. But, mm-hmm. but he had uh, an own team on Congress for half of his uh, presidency. Um, and it, it like no one cares. Um, oh, he, he was happy about it. He was he, he was, ran was, on he was that beating his chest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat his chest about it, and I think if there's going to be um, uh, some reckoning of the Republican Party, <laughs> it's it's not going to happen soon. That's just not what people are talking about. It was not an issue. The people who ran, and I know I talked about this previously, but my God, um, we're, we saw just today, just today, um, the word that there's going to be negotiations or negotiations are, are gotten to a point where there's a sense that there's going to be a bipartisan agreement on Capitol Hill to fund the government for another year. Mm-hmm, we're going to mm-hmm, do mm-hmm. a trillion dollar uh, must pass <laughs> omnibus spending bill. My God, who could have predicted that? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did because we yeah. – been here for more than one election and more than one year and more than one like crumbed of a, a spending season and the hysterics during the election are like oh my god the republicans are going to hold everything hostage they're going to default well, if, if they win the economy if they win they didn't get they didn't win out they won the house um they won the house yeah. and they still uh have some uh influence very, very narrowly um yeah. and they could mitch mcconnell could if he said right now he's like hey look you know what let's wait for the house he's not going to yeah because he doesn't want to um uh, and also because because it's important, just like there's 80, 20 issues in the world, um, it's not as if the people who won majority in the House for Republicans ran on, we need to control spending. Of course not. Yeah. They did on inflation. That's, yes. that's, that's the degree to they which they talked about that. that. Yeah. But they, as a general proposition, they're going in Marco Rubioville. They're getting closer to J.D. Vance they're not, and Trumpism, and they're not getting further away. But that's the thing, is that the Teal types, the J.D. Vance types, these people said for in – in a kind of obnoxious way too, for um, a number of years, in the past couple years, that you guys, meaning – People who think all this stuff is bad, that just printing money is bad, and, you know, let's just promise people things and then they'll vote for us. It's a pretty simple proposition. It usually works, right? I'll, I'll print more money and we'll give you all sorts of these things. Until the moment it doesn't. Until the moment it doesn't, right? And so the thing is, is everyone's like, oh, your type of politics failed. Nobody cares about it. Like, well, I've talked about this too. Of like, nobody cared about AEI's white papers or Cato's white papers on spending and on the, on the Fed and the rest of it. Nobody cares. Yeah. Okay. That's true. And um, I agreed with that for a long time. And I still agree with that in the sense that, yeah, people might not care about it. But um, who was right in the end? Sorry. But we were right. This is why all this stuff is happening. What's happening around the globe? No, I know this exact thing we've been warning about is happening also around the globe. In, you know, central banks in London and central banks in, in, in other countries, too, in the European Union. This was easy to predict. Um, you laughed at it and said, oh, these are old, washed up ideas. You guys are on this kind of Reagan type Republican thing, uh, which, you know, I'm not because I'm not a Reagan Republican. I'm not a Republican at all. But I do know that when you do things like this and increase these multiples of like by 50 of all of a sudden that trillion, let's put another trillion. Who cares at this point? 
that that you don't have to pay the piper ever. No one did anyone think that this is going to we were going to skate on this because we could have told you that this was going to happen. And, you know, have we made a dent in free trade? in the so-called trade deficit, which is a totally bullshit metric that nobody cares about? Have we defeated China? Have we created these industries at home that we lost to these other countries that produced it cheaper? Uh, No. On every fucking point, you idiots. Every single one. Try to find one. You can email us and say, no, 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 this is actually, no, the the steel industry here is, is now humming because of this enormous thing that Donald Trump did, and he talked about endlessly, and they did all these press conferences about and hired all these people, and, you know, the Peter Navarros of the world. No, wrong, 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 and wrong. Not one of these things was successful. And it's not a success, by the way, if you give 40 people their jobs back, and I'm sure they're very happy. I talked to a bunch of them. I did a film with a bunch of them called Trump's Trade War about these people. Very happy to have their jobs back. But let's look at the bigger picture here. I mean... Are we better off as a country because of these policies? No. Okay, let's not do it again. Fuck you guys. Honestly, you're done. This populist shit on trade is done. You can do these things, by the way, where you say we need to have programs for people who lost their jobs in, you know, how trade eliminated a bunch of industries in America. It just happens. And we should have been more attentive to that in the past. I agree with that. I do. I agree with Trump on that. I agree with, you know, Bernie Sanders on that. You know, whether it's, you know, retraining programs, whatever it might be, we have to do that. And then at the same time, we're telling everybody to go get a bachelor's degree and spend fucking $80,000 in, you know, a year and then go into debt. So there's a lot of stupidity. Yeah. Anyway. Ch- challenge with all the retraining programs is we're not very good at telling people what to retrain for. That's also so true. They, <laughs> yeah. they don't work. Actually, yeah, they and they also don't work. Defend themselves in the, the new economy and, and set things up. I am hearing a little it's bit a of Moynihan 2024 here tonight. Yeah, it sounds I, like it's it. been a while. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that. It's, I have uh, been so- to the promised land. <laughs> <laughs> I might not get there with you. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah, not bad. That's good. You could do that. I That'll work. That. Yeah. There's, there's a constituency. It's, it's a that, great speech. Undoubtedly. Did you think speech. he couldn't do that? I know he After. could do it. Okay. Fucking great um, speech. So what else do we talk about? Because it's, 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 well, there are a couple of options here. There's a bunch of interesting stuff happening in media. Washington Post hosting a meeting earlier today. Um, <laughs> Whoops. Uh, video from that meeting leaked. Their revenues are down and some downsizing is happening. And a lot of, um, kind of uncertainty in the media universe. It's a bloodbath out blood there, bath, actually. Yeah. There, yeah. You blood can't bath. name a large media company that no. isn't shedding a ton of jobs. A ton really. of jobs, yeah. Like C- CBS News, NBC News, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, how many subscriptions did uh, the Washington Post shed in the past 500,000? 500,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. I mean, they a had... A lot to have. They had a pretty good idea of how to do it being owned by, by Amazon. Because an Amazon used to say to me all the time, hey, take the Washington Post for a dollar or whatever, and I'd do it. And um, a lot of people were pretty addicted to the Trump stuff. And this is what happens, you know? I mean, we know this. We've talked this a million times. I mean, who does best magazine-wise in president, like opposition the magazines? Opposition, yeah. Always. And then they fall off. I mean, what, what was the nation during the Bush administration? It was like couple hundred thousand or something. Nation went number. crazy. American Spectator famously went crazy in the 1990s. And the, and the Clinton things. And then, um, then stopped existing. Basically. And it's a, it's something like Reason Magazine, which I was the editor of for eight years. Um, uh, it's always this sort of poignant feeling because mm-hmm. you see uh, competitors who were right at your level mm-hmm. and then suddenly they zoom to 3X. Yep. 
and or they collapse, um, which they all, for the most part, eventually do. Um, and reason never really gets that juice. Uh, sometimes we're sort of seen as the opposite, and you can even sort of feel the sense of momentum. I would, without talking out of school, I would say that like the origins of the Tea Party uh, era, uh, 2010, 2011, 2012, when there was a new type of politician saying a lot of libertarian stuff and believing it, or seeming to believe it, uh, Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, Mike Lee. We hadn't seen those types. Mm-hmm. Um, Rand Paul in particular, he, he came on the on the floor and his first speech looked in one direction and says, you know, we can't just uh, spend every money on entitlements forever. We actually have to deal with that problem. And then he turned and went the other way. And we can't approve every single military yeah. uh, spending. We have to cut military spending. Yeah. And that just, you know, we're used to that now, but it hadn't happened up until that moment. But still, reason never gets that thing. But then again, it's more kind it's of stable. Steady. Yeah, it's um, steady. Which is, sense, yeah. which you don't get the crack pipe. And it's weird. And kind of even in, until you just talked about it right now, um, kind of underappreciated that the New York Times and the Washington Post got addicted to being an opinion magazine. Yeah, and everyone did. New York Times still selling subscriptions. Still doing their thing while the Washington Post is suffering. Because of Wordle. Well, they've, they've made some strategic acquisitions and they yeah. are a, a media company, which is not necessarily a news business. Mm-hmm. They are in the information infotainment business. Well, isn't the Washington Post selling some of the software that it created during this time with uh, some of... Um... Well, yeah, WAPO has been doing a lot of that. And it, yeah. it'd be interesting to see their finances. I suspect you would still see some growth or at least some sure. strong revenue there um, in a kind of reliable way. But the fact that the subscription business is struggling, that mm-hmm. core business um, is probably pretty important. And modifying your headcount to adjust to that reality is yes. going to be pretty important as well. You always um, have to do it, right? I mean, you're growing that fast. You're going to add people and you're yeah. going to end up shedding them. This is what happens in every big media company. I mean, um, BuzzFeed uh, laid off. BuzzFeed News doesn't really exist anymore. 130 odd people yeah. or something. I mean, the company that I work for, the same thing. There's a, a lot of people laid off there, including myself, um, which I wasn't going to mention before, but um, I'm done uh, January 1st uh, because, you know, uh, things happen, right? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a part of this too. I'm a part of this great restructure. So New York Sanitation, they just laid you off like that? Like- they did. They did. I, I, the way I hung off the back of the truck was a little aggressive for them. They were like, you need two hands. And I said, fuck you. I don't follow rules, buddy. It was the vax mandate that like, got it was you. The, like, it was, so. I had too many vaxes, actually. I was just taking them all day. So many fucking Chlamydia, vaxes. boom. Yeah, bam. Got it. <laughs> then I'd go out to Plato's retreat until four in the morning. Boom. I still got other things. Spirochetes and weird things. But yeah, this is happening all over, and and uh, and yeah, I've I've hinted at this before, but uh, but uh, yeah, my time my time is 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 up in a job that I've been in for a very long time, um, not uninterrupted. I started in 2011, and then took some time in between with the Daily Beast and some other places, but uh, but always doing stuff. They're doing shows when I wasn't actually on staff. Um, then came back in 2016 to to do the HBO stuff, but but um, but uh, things have changed and. Um, I'm not sure. I'll be able to talk about it, I think, a little more in the future. I'm not sure. But, uh, but yeah, that is, that is I haven't changed any of my, my Twitter bios or any of this stuff because it's, 
It's a new thing. You haven't changed your pronouns yet? I have. Oh, okay. I have. Yeah. I, was, I thought it would, I'd maybe keep the job if I did. Apparently not. <laughs> um, but, uh, but look, I mean, there's all these places that grew very fast and um, spent a lot. Uh, I think in most cases, justifiably so, because they did have big audiences and they were hoping that, um, that they would retain those audiences. But, you know, it's, it's a tough thing these days. Of you know Washington Post, you know BuzzFeed, so many of the other places that disappeared totally, like um, you know Mike dot com and um, all these Quibbly, Qu- Quibby, Quibby, whatever it's called. People me. that I worked with who went to Qbert, who went over to Qbert, hundred and seventy Qbert was even they raised almost a billion dollars. I think maybe over yeah. a billion. Dollars. I think it was, yeah, over, it was over a billion, billion dollars. dollars. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. do you do that? And uh, through that money. Yeah. So I mean, you can look and say, oh, they look, made a bunch of stuff. They did. Yeah. No one's ever seen it. Yeah. They did like, here's a four second version of yes. 60 Minutes. Is that there, was, that was the theory. The, is there yeah. a graveyard of like content? It's in Jeffrey Katzenberg's basement <laughs> yeah. tied someone, up against the wall. Someone acquired all that stuff. I mean, that's that's what ends up happening. Gawker, which, you know, you sell off the, the assets afterwards, which for the most part is like the domain. Um, yeah. For this once once great or at least well, Gawker's doing stuff now, and they seem yeah to they, be they've Ryan Goldberg they've come back from the dead yeah 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 and yeah. a different kind of thing but not doesn't, too different doesn't but it doesn't have any cultural no like, no cachet. no relevance but even if it were the old Gawker if there were no um, you know George the Animal Steel or whoever sued them Jake the Snake. Uh, <laughs> What's his name? The guy on the Hulk top, Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that, and Peter Thiel. <laughs> Peter Thiel. Um, if that hadn't happened, I think the same thing. It would have gone away. It, it just that existed at a very particular time. Yeah. Um, and now it's not necessary anymore. I mean, the same way that Page Six in the '80s and '90s used to be a very strong force. People would plant things in Page Six and change. I mean, still including ex- Donald Trump. Yeah, including Donald Trump. What was the name of his uh, fake uh, PR <laughs> yeah, guy? What was his name? It was like Danny <laughs> Trump or something. I, I, I keep on thinking the uh, yeah, yeah. Donald Trump. Look, Donald Trump. I've got a big story. Big story. It's the like biggest. A, yeah, I said that it was the biggest story. It's like I think that this is Donald Trump. Like, no, it's not. There's a, there's this a is Wiki- Danny Trump. There's a Wikipedia page with pseudonyms of Donald Trump. Oh, oh really? Uh, Give me some of them. John Barron, John Miller. Yeah. yeah. John Barron, John Barron that's the one. That's the one. John Barron here. John Barron. John, John Barron. John Barron. He sounded an awful lot like Donald Trump. Never oh. heard of him. I hear that a lot. <laughs> Love the guy. Talented. He's the best. It's like you were just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was it? What was uh, Was it Carlos Danger? Wasn't that the? Oh, that was the. That was what's his name? Anth- what's his Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner. Oh yeah. yeah. His oh, last yeah. name's actually Weiner. I yeah, 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 yeah. We <laughs> produced some of the best New York Post headlines, by the way. Um, yeah, no, Anthony Weiner. Um, because apparently little kids love that. I think he's really like the name. That's why he had Carlos Danger. Like, <laughs> 12-year-olds were like, oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> I, had, I mean, it's uh, no... What, what's the... David, uh, David Dennison? That was one of his, his names? David Dennison? Yeah. It was used as a pseudonym for Trump by his personal lawyer, Michael Cohen. Uh, New 2016 York, pre-election non-disclosure. Oh, by Cohen. We, oh, Wiener, no. Wiener, with Stormy Daniels. Okay. Yeah, Wiener said he was coming back. Um, and the Again? New York Post headline was Wiener's Second Coming. <laughs> <laughs> Anth- and then the subhead this is This would An- not be the second. Anthony colon, erect me mayor. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. No! Yeah. In John, then, in John Cena voice? The, the, yeah. Wait, what's, well, the, the, what's the date on that? My favorite one was uh, when uh, Obama 
said he, if it were me, he should resign uh, about Wiener. And the New York Post headline was Obama beats Wiener. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The New York Post. Huma, Huma Avenue, when she divorced, Huma cuts off Wiener. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's America's greatest news. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really. It's actually true. Yeah. It's really true. Oh, the, pic, the picture of him when he got caught. Of him, like, doing the selfie in the mirror. They had that <laughs> stroking gun. No! Yeah. Yeah. Dicky leaks. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. Um, so I, None of them are Camille or Casanova Brown. This is true. Yeah. Casanova Brown. That's the only one She never that. gets in trouble. He's always, always really good. good I mean, I, I don't know what's likely to happen. Certainly CNN made some indication that they plan to shift in a more moderate direction. It's, they cut a bunch of jobs, too. Tons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They cut a bunch Matt Welch can be the judge as, as of whether or not they've actually managed to shift at all, since I know he's been doing his midday um, channel surfing and cable news. But it'll be interesting to see if any of the rest of these publications – try to shift in a more moderate direction as they're reassessing things, reorganizing, pushing certain people out of their newsroom. What I found most interesting about that Washington Post clip, and it was only the one clip that I could find, I would love to see more of it, not because I enjoy people suffering, but I'm because I'm genuinely curious. No, I don't want to see anybody lose their job. Um, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious about the nature and tone of the conversation that staffers are having with their employers and what expectations are and whether or not certain leadership at some of these publications don't see this as an opportunity to purge themselves of some of the more problematic (laughs) members of their teams in certain places and shift in a more thoughtful, (laughs) moderate direction. Did you just say that Taylor Lorenz should be fired from the Washington Post? I didn't say that. Shit, I thought you were talking about me. say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. I, I, I have no comment on your current yeah, yeah, your current, current situation. situation yeah. um, I, there was also though this mediaite most influential list, which was pretty interesting that we were sharing a little bit earlier today. And there's plenty of interesting stuff that we could look at. I, I do notice that it's very top heavy with respect to conservatives. Um, Number one on the list is Susan Scott, who is the new boss at FNC. Uh, Yeah, Fox News. Um, But number two on the list is very interesting. This is a new addition to the media moguls. Uh Oh, um, it's Elon Musk. Elon, which suddenly rockets to the top of this list. We got eighty minutes. (laughs) Can I can I read my favorite tweet about Elon? Just my favorite one. This is my. I just really love this tweet. Yeah, and I had to bring it up. it's uh, from Alexander Vindman. Mm. Oh, Alexander Vindman. Sasha. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Retweeted by his wife, Rachel Vindman, who seems mm-hmm. like a real, real crackerjack lady. I'm sure she um, is. And this was his tweet about uh, um, from two days ago, I think, about Twitter, which I loved. Um, Twitter is dying. <laughs> That's okay. If anything, it needs to be killed off soonest. Oh. <laughs> Not English. Uh, at Elon Musk cannot be allowed to, pro- to promote it dangerous radical views cannot be allowed yeah dot 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 hate speech and then imagine giables with a bigger platform and wider reach wow giables how many retweets on that is gerbils <laughs> by the way <laughs> i know giables g-e-o-b-b-l-e-s he hasn't paid for Geobles. twitter blue otherwise he'd no if it's twitter blue tweet. it'd be like yeah you know do you mean gerbils like, no, no, no. i mean the famous propagandist giables so so um, how many retweets does that oh have? but this i screenshot this a couple days ago when okay. it had twenty eight thousand likes that's about right Seven thousand retweets i think it's probably triple that now 
But this is the kind of instinct of people that Elon Musk cannot be allowed. I'm going to correct his English. Elon Musk cannot be allowed to promote dangerous radical views. Hate speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are people that apparently it was in government and apparently believes that hate speech is a thing, a category in American law, which it is not. I'm sorry to tell you. And um, he cannot be allowed, which I don't know what that would mean. What would that mean? Hmm. I, I'm not exactly sure. But it sounds like he, like a number of people who yeah. ask questions during uh, press briefings at the White House, um, have some expectation that someone in government will do something. That sounds a lot like Giables, yeah. by the way. <laughs> That's something like Giables would do. And it's actually hard to, to, to guess what that tweet might be in response to because there's been so much weird stuff recently. Yeah. Um, there was uh, a, a panicked outrage in response to Elon tweeting a follow rabbit emoji. Oh yeah, um, earlier this favorite. week, and I don't, I don't know what that means at all. But other people are confident they know what it means, and were insisting that this was him signaling to QAnon faithful that yes. they have a home on Twitter, yes, that they can come join their join their ranks. I think that it, it's I think more. They probably already knew that. I think, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, mean, I think it's more convincing that he thought that the fucking like Argentinian, what was it, Bolivian coal miner, maybe he's a pedo. Oh, that, uh, like that from one. two years that, ago. That, like he's he's been on the pedo beat for like three years, yeah. even before all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So and like also this week has said the same thing about the former head of uh, trust and safety at Twitter. Mischaracterizing, from what I can understand, yeah. that person's former academic or whatever the fuck it was work, um, yeah. and like why for what for what purpose? There's, I mean, Camille, you like uh, made the mistake of tweeting at Elon Musk. Uh, well, really? I didn't tweet at Elon Musk. I, I quote tweeted something he That's, tweeted. It's not the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's going to pop up as an, on his timeline. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he saw it. He, he gets a lot of stuff. It's fine. At any rate, but it's it, like, your it's sentiment cool. was correct. Cool. Uh, well, this is, I mean, they all are. It's that was his, uh, it was his woke mind virus tweet. <laughs> um, and it was like, okay, great. So that's what you, this, I'm paraphrasing you badly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that's what you're against. But what are you for? Which is actually the kind mm-hmm. of uh, right uh, question um, to ask. Um, yeah, it, it, it's clear that he's trolling now uh, and he's um, he's making, uh, regardless of his uh, organizational decisions, he's making Twitter a worse place to be mm. um, at, right at the, at the moment just because he's the main fucking character of Twitter. And if you don't want to get Elon Musk content, mm-hmm. you can't look at Twitter. No, no, but you he's have not. To suppress no, no, no. A bunch I disagree. He's not the one that's making it a worse place. It's every journalist who's engaging with him all the time and constantly talking about him. You don't have to talk. You can go on Twitter and just be like, "All right, this guy owns it. Maybe I don't like him. I don't like what he says. Move on." Do and- you remember Donald Trump? I mean, it's just like, like it's it. He knows what he's doing on yeah. some. No, level. I know because and even journalists like, are fucking losers and, and choosing like, all they care about. Choosing is this. Barry Weiss, and Matt Taibbi in many ways, yeah. um, um, uh, who are you know Barry is a friend of ours and we like Matt. And he's been on our show and and I appreciate both of them uh, professionally in a huge way. And there's no but in the sentence at all. Um, and he knows that they drive people fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean, he also I, knows. I, I got to think that 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 like mm. got. Got probably up. played into the the right? Yeah, but if if yeah. you are going to find somebody, Zay Gilani could have handled the same thing um, in his own way, but he doesn't drive people that crazy. Mm. I mean, I think that it's those Green- guys have bigger reaches. Yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have gotten to Greenwall too, and and that would have driven people like out of out but of their yeah, minds. He's trolling, and we've talked about this before, but like 
I, I think it's so hilarious to watch these people say, you've driven me from this platform by having these opinions that I don't like. Um, mm-hmm. One of which um, somebody emailed us about uh, a Pope hat, uh, mm-hmm. Ken, Ken White. Former guest on this program. Uh, yeah, I guess he was. Different times. Different times. <clears throat> different times. Um, and he got off of Twitter and it created a, a firestorm of people like uh, talking about Ken White getting off of Twitter, to which my response is, who fucking cares? I mean, I like I followed the guy. I, he apparently was I was because I don't tweet very much. I'm one of the only people he hasn't blocked. He blocked you, Camille. <laughs> and he um, tweeted something and he was on a different platform called Post. Yes. Um, and he's like, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a work in project progress, but uh, no trolls, yeah. no trolls so far. Wow. Sure about that? Are you sure about that? <laughs> Wait, you said you're on the platform? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I think that somebody, that people like this have to take a step back and say that Elon Musk is not the thing that is broken them. It's Twitter as a platform prior to Elon Musk. It's, it's these platforms in general that make um, reasonable people sound very unreasonable. And yeah. lose their minds and be assholes to people. And I just, his, I, I would never do it. His tweet, his tweet read, "So been on post for a few days. It's very much a work in progress, but it shows promise. Worth a try. No trolls so far." Okay, um, which is which is interesting because they must have gotten rid of them all. Yeah, Ken Ken had become one of the more assertive, forceful abusive nasty people uh on twitter when interacting with people who he only had contempt for someone posted a tweet of his about the covington catholic kids where he referred to them as dumb shits uh, and evil assholes uh tweets which apparently he didn't apologize for also responding to ken bone of, oh yeah, of, of, a red uh, sweater of uh, Jeopardy fame, right? <laughs> yeah. Ken Ken tweets out all morning. The Trump supporters have been nice to me, even though I don't like Trump. The Biden camp has been shitting all over me because I don't like Biden. Do these people really not see how much this behavior pushes bystanders towards the right? To which Popat responds, "If you want uncritical attention, get a fucking dog, you shallow narcissistic twat." <laughs> which. <laughs> That seems like a reasonable response to a yeah. guy some saying, <laughs> yeah. But he no, may, may, not, maybe he, maybe that's a technically accurate description of of Ken Bone. I, I don't can't know imagine that there's anything it's wrong possible. with somebody who would respond to a stranger on Twitter that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I am confident. I have never posted anything like never. that. To I never. Someone would. I no. don't know, or someone I do know. No, that's like a rage problem. That's yeah. like a. And, and by the way, well, these again, are, this is this is October seventh, twenty twenty. Again, it's a. It's a rough year. Yeah, yeah. Rough year. Well, I didn't do that during that rough. But I didn't year. do that during that rough. And year. And, and and also, these I was are cocking people... my gun on the podcast, so maybe <laughs> you did that happened at least once. But these are people who who found this way of behaving behind the screen of Twitter. You know, it's like we know who he is, etc. But again, it's a, it's a stupid, shallow point that people make all the time. But I don't suspect that he would say that to Ken Bone in person. And and I think that's an important thing. I or, would never say anything on Twitter that I wouldn't say to somebody in person. Mm-hmm. And I think that if he treated me like that in person, I'd break his fucking jaw. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what like that's what that's where fights come from. I feel you don't talk to people that way. I feel a little weird um, singling him out, but but well, he's also, the one who quit Twitter and made a big deal about it. Yeah, this is true. And and I, and I'll say this. I mean, I 
I think that the last couple of years have been hard for a number of people. I also think that 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 the phrase Trump derangement syndrome is one that is overused, but it is certainly true that something about our politics has turned a lot of formerly very sane people a little less sane. Yeah. Um, for in, in a variety of directions, I think left and right, this is true. And it's probably worth having a little bit of grace that we deploy. Just in don't general be a fucking direction. asshole. Like, honestly, <laughs> don't be an asshole. Like that too. Yeah. That I too. just, I don't think that's that hard. But I, I, I suspect like I, when he goes over and says there are no trolls, yeah. he means it. I, I suspect that he probably isn't really aware of the thing that he's putting out into the universe or perhaps thinks it's all justifiable because he's doing battle with because the he's worst right. scum of People the earth. People who think they're right about yeah. everything, and that's that's a problem. There is something, and I was thinking about this earlier today, and I was thinking this uh, also, Camille, when you were talking uh, before about uh, two-party stuff in a way, that there is a um, – and or apocalyptic stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the, a two-party system, um, especially in any time of woe, and we've been living in an extended time of woe, um, uh, tends to produce – incentivize apocalypticism and so mm-hmm. like twitter is this great uh incentives machine you can you can get the dopamine hit immediately if you care about likes and follow counts and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. i don't I've, I've recently went through my last um seven years or whatever is measurable of twitter traffic because i'm intellectually curious like did it like were there changes that are interesting and it is kind of uh, interesting to to look at there are some things that are clearly algorithmic mm-hmm. uh that have been changed over time and stuff um and uh at, at the same time like i've never really really cared what what people think or do or when and in moments when suddenly i say something like i remember donald uh, trump jr retweeted a thing that I, I wrote and like your your life is going to be bad for a couple of days <laughs> and he did it like positively because he thought that i was i was like uh, helping him out um and it's just like okay i'm not gonna look at, at twitter for a couple of days but yeah. there are people that incentive structure is incredible like if you want that or if you respond positively to it how are you not going to feed that beast a little more in sure. this direction and That's when right. you have a two-party system and in a populist moment, then the apocalypse is just them winning 50.1% of the vote away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all available to you. All the people who kind of have that fear and worry are all available to you. It's the same thing as the opposition magazine. It's mm-hmm. all there. And if you haven't ever gone through that as a person, most human beings haven't. Why would you mm-hmm. uh, gone through that process of getting the rush uh Either of being everyone hates you and they're all bad people mm-hmm. and so I'm strong, which is hard actually because hate is hard to, to absorb. Mm-hmm. But harder still is when all these people love you and the counter that you're paying attention to um, is like ding, ding, dinging. You think that's harder? It is ultimately because it's harder to, um, to resist. Mm. It's harder to not listen to it, harder not to be captured by it. I'm not saying that's what happened to Kim. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see this with a lot of people and and there's something structural about the whole thing, about the setup of social media, tw- maybe Twitter in particular. I don't know. Um, and certainly I think in the two-party structure in a moment, a bipartisan moment of apocalypse happening. I, I think it is quite damaging in the sense that can you think of anything else, any other – 
platform, any other thing that's in the universe of politics in which so many people have walked away from and then testified to their improved mental health mm -hmm. because of walking away from All of them. So many. Yeah. <laughs> so many. It's like 99%. It's like 99%. I, I posted something that I still think is true shortly after the, the Elon uh, transaction happened, which is uh, just very succinct. Um, Twitter isn't the problem you are. Which is yeah. to say yeah, that like, we are. I think we the, are. The, tool, the tool exists, and it is certainly true that it, there are these incentives baked in, and yeah. this could be a problem. But you decide to be an asshole. Sure. You yes, decide you to do. respond negatively to certain things. You even decide to respond negatively to people who are complete assholes to you, which I, I've been doing my very best to model civility, even in the context of doing shit on Twitter. And I, I can imagine that there are times where someone will tweet something like, Elon, you mentioned the Elon tweet where he, he tweeted, um, the woke mind virus is either defeated or nothing else matters, to which I quote tweeted, contempt is cheap. What are you for? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I suspect that someone could, could hear that. In fact, someone said later, well, you say con contempt is cheap. That sounds like talk is cheap, which is just kind of derisive, dismissive way to address someone. For me, it's just the bit. alliteration, contempt and cheap, like both start with C. And in my mm -hmm. mind, it just formed in that way. It's also it's a not terse, meant as an insult. It's, al it's also a terse medium. Yeah. And contempt it, 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 gets yeah. the Demands, fucking point. I mean, I think his, right. his is 11 words. My response might have been seven. Yeah. Like, that's, did good. That's, what, that's what happens. But, but then for me, like I'm somewhat surprised by not just the fact that it gets engagement and a number of people tweet it and retweet it, but the number of people who respond with kind of vitriol and outrage that a sentiment like that is expressed. One, it's like, well, you know what he's for. He tells you all the time he's doing all these, these great things with Tesla and SpaceX and Neuralink. And I actually support a number of those projects. Sure. I think in general, his, None his of which professional he to talk about acumen is yeah. really good. Well, he, he tweets about those things, too. They don't get nearly as much attention. Um, and I don't know what the volume or ratio is of tweets. But it seems to me that there is a fundamental difference between that being his kind of profession and vocation and those being passions of his and then engaging in political discourse in a way that suggests that this is kind of zero com zero sum contest between people who are quote unquote woke which the meaning of that word has been utterly and completely lost at this point i don't know that most progressives who are generally referred to as woke would necessarily refer to themselves that way now even if they did before it is pejorative mm -hmm. primarily almost exclusively at this point. So to use it, I, I don't suspect most conservatives really know what that word exactly means, in which case you have a tremendous amount of contempt for this thing that almost no one is willing to identify as, and you're insisting that it needs to be defend, defeated at all costs or nothing else matters, and I just don't think that's credible. And at a, at a minimum, it is blindingly obvious to me that being regarded primarily for the things that you hate and have contempt for like just is not terribly instructive. I don't know what you are for. I don't know what you're not willing to do. But we're also in the eye roll phase of the word, right? 
this happens to most words mm-hmm. talked about in so many ways that it becomes something to Gaslighting. dismiss <laughs> yes just because it's said so much by so many people that are yeah, annoying yeah. fascist like that happened with political correctness mm-hmm. we're trying we- i wish it would happen cancel with fascist culture. Yeah. cancel culture became one of them and it's not because the terms changed mm-hmm. the, the terms of debate changed it's not because people got better at this they were, were doing it less it's because the wrong people said it too much mm-hmm. and then it allowed everyone to be like oh god the guess woke again. Oh, cancel culture. That's not a. Re- I mean, I first heard the, the term cancel culture on um, the NPR podcast Invisibilia, mm. which uh, was later. I think they fired the host and made it even more in connection woke. With cancel, cancel Colbert. Uh, no, it's just cancel culture is about. It was. It was like one of those stories that you would get on something like This American Life, mm-hmm. and it was about a girl in a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really good, actually. It was really interesting, and about how she canceled somebody and was very proud of it and very happy in this little community, punk rock community. Mm-hmm. And then someone came on, online and said, oh, I remember what you were like in high school, you fucking asshole. You, you were horrible to everybody, and you were like a racist. And, this, and then she was canceled. Mm-hmm. And it was this kind of one on top of the other kind of thing, and everyone's yeah. one up against each other. And that's, that's kind of like... You know, that's this thing that it gets exhausting about it is the Twitter instinct is to do um, quick hits, right? Yeah. It's like what happens in Venezuela, you know, the Sequero Express. They would kidnap you and then, you know, if you didn't pay within 24 hours, they'd kill you. It was like a fast thing, right? It was the express version of it. <laughs> is they try to destroy you very quickly. We whereas, don't want this to be inconvenient. Yeah, obviously. it's like, just like, do it fast. Like, you know. we're going to roll over you and try to humiliate you on Twitter. If you've said the wrong thing, you've, you know, stepped in it in a weird way. And then ev- all of these people in the same universe mm-hmm. are going to get together, almost like they have these talking points, to get together and talk about Matt Taibbi and make him trend. Because Matt Taibbi wrote something when he was in... Uh, Russia in the 90s and everyone's talking it's a, like, you have to destroy these people very quickly rather than you know talking about the issue at hand and then you see that so much in real life I mean that was something that really became prominent I would say in the past 10 years it happened before but the destruction of people in real time the outrage or archaeology the, uh, the sure. outrage archaeology and the and the and just the true destruction i don't care if you call it woke i don't care if you call it pc i don't care if you call it cancel culture i don't care what the fuck you call it because every time you call it something it's coding for certain people to like pay attention to it or not pay attention dismiss it or not dismiss it the thing that concerns me is the utter destruction of people's lives based on things that either aren't true are overstated, are completely, you know, um, how should I put it, you know, things that happen that are not as they seem, I, I suppose is the sort of easiest way of saying it. You know, when people get fired for rapping along to a fucking Jay-Z song and then mm-hmm. become, become fucking George Wallace right. and get, yeah. get fired from their jobs. All of this stuff we've talked about for many years. All that plus dogpiling thereof. And then the dogpiling yes. of it. It's like the reason people are happy to get off of Twitter Nobody is happy and happier off of Twitter if they've just been tweeting about, you know, their favorite fucking, you know, uh, meatball recipe. It's not that. It's people who've engaged in this kind of behavior mm-hmm. and they know instinctually that it's filthy mm-hmm. and it's bad. And then you yeah. see it happen to certain people who are purveyors of it, mm-hmm. they're the perpetrators of it, and then it comes back on them. Mm-hmm. There is a comedian left-wing comedian. I remember he used to attack Eli Lake all the time. Mm. And he's this like little tattooed guy and he was like a male feminist and all this stuff. He's been on Joe Rogan's show um, a couple of years ago. But he was, t- they turned on him 
And he has spoken about what made him that person in the past Hmm. to go after people all the time on Twitter, like in a dehumanizing way Mm -hmm. and to really just make them like they don't have kids. They don't have jobs. They don't have friends. They don't have any humanity. You just have to destroy them because they think differently than you. And look, it's it's something I've noticed in my own life uh, over time is that when – you know, when these kind of political tribes become more tribal, they were less tribal before. And I don't know if that's an internet thing, a Twitter thing or what mm-hmm. it is. But you become a little lonelier in your life if you're not at a ideological magazine or publication that mirrors your own politics. If you're somewhere, you know, far afield or somewhere can offer a different perspective, it used to be a fun place to be. You know, they go to you for like, oh, that's a, it became less of a fun place to be. Mm-hmm. It became a pretty bad place to be. And that's, I think, everywhere. I mean, it's, um, you know, that's the, the tribal stuff on Twitter, I just think is is a symptom of, of an overall rot in our culture when it comes to politics. And I think the Internet's, you know, both the greatest thing that ever happened to us and in this sense, pretty bad. I think there's also a Zoom effect in that um, it's not actually an effect of Zoom. But what did we learn during Zoom, including when like the, the fucking three of us would mm-hmm. like, do a show or, you know, we've done so many where it's just the three of us Jeez, yeah. distended and we do it and it's fine. We've learned how to do it, um, except when there's certain technical problems, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> certain certain members of the crew. Um, but uh, like, would you willingly go into a, like, would you have another Zoom birthday? Party. Would you attend another Zoom That's birthday a very party? Good point. Yeah, would you? Yeah. Would uh, yeah. uh, Camille? You probably still have to do Zoom meetings at your work, and we I'm s- and I'm sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, no, we're we're spread out pretty pretty well, but like it sucks. I never want to be on Zoom again, and I say this as someone who's on Zoom earlier today, mm-hmm. and I uh, like my heart is still filled with hate um, <laughs> uh, 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 about it. It's horrible and like no it's it's weird i mean the angles are wrong that that lower that lower angle looking up at your like neck fat and the little waddle just terrible your biggest problem is the neck fat well yeah it's not not a flattering angle we didn't want to say no one is making eye contact shit is just weird but also like the 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 inverse of it in some way like if you have if you're lucky enough to live in a city where you can go walk around or even a suburb that you can walk around and interact with people. Like if there is a uh, a kind of like uh, uh, you know a, a jump ball mm. decision, am I going to do this? Am I going to not? Mm. And the difference is, am I going to walk outside and and like interact with the world around me, or am I going to sit inside and do my inside things or do my family inside things? Um, I've been kind of conscious about this recently, maybe because it's cold outside in New York or whatever. And, um, and I've been trying really hard to bias, go the fuck outside. Yeah, go, yeah, sure. Go to church on Sunday. I'm not even a Catholic. I go to Catholic church every mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, and it is great for my non-religious soul. I'm not saying that I'm not religious, but I'm saying it's great for your soul, regardless of your religion mm-hmm. to just go out and like hang out with the people who live around you and talk to them. And there's that old Italian lady over there and there's Mm. this, Oh, there's the Polish gal over there and whatever, you know, like have that kind of interaction and Twitter and all kinds of online interaction and zoom too, even though zoom is more 
Uh, you can at least see people's faces, but that's not necessarily better. <laughs> uh, this Usually is like, not. It's this weird, like, flattening, horrible off. kind of <laughs> Jeff Tubin jerk-off yeah. world. That was the uh, best part of Zoom. He might just pop up and just start wanking on, on camera. The moment that you walk outside and it's just Jerry at the pizzeria who is yeah. literally next door. Yeah. Jerry at the pizzeria hasn't been on Twitter. No. That's not what we're going to be talking about yeah. with, with Jerry at the pizzeria or the, at the next person there, the next person there, the next person there. It's like it, – it, it's so much more healthy. I just want to final, final comment on this is so much more healthy is that the people that we know and we're friends with and we interact with on Twitter, and we see them on Twitter all the time tweeting constantly 50, 60, 70 times a day is that you guys are incels. You know that, right? The things that you attack these people for, for living online in their dark kind of weird worlds on 4chan, 8chan and, you know, Kiwi farms and all these kind of weirdo places, you're doing a version of it and you think you're not. You think that you're, well, I work at the Washington Post. It's like, yeah, but you haven't set foot in the building in fucking 10 years or five years, three years and you sit there like Taylor Lorenzing. You know, talking about, uh, you know, insulting people like Barry from Pittsburgh or the girl that fucking did she. I thought she deleted the tweet because she she forgot she grew up in Greenwich. Connecticut. <laughs> did you not realize you grew up in Greenwich? It's just a tweet. It's a working class. City. Yeah, very working <laughs> class. This is right? like the, the, the Bridgeport. But yeah, this is uh, Taylor Renz who tweeted like a, uh, an insulting thing about Barry Weiss. So like this is what happens when you're privileged or something. And um but yeah, these are people who live in this world and think they are. There's like a category difference between them and the fucking kids who sit in the basement playing, you know, video games for you know forty percent of the day and pop out and you know like wonderfully ridiculed on on South Park is like the guy with like you know leaning over the Cheeto stands in a sense. That's there's a version of that. You know, you're online. I mean, I we were talking about um, somebody who who left Twitter. It was a guest on the show. It's like there must be a huge change for him because it appears to me when I look it on like a really important part of his life. It seems like an important part of his life. You're yeah. on Twitter all the fucking time. You maybe need to take a break from that. And I think that like you guys who are on Twitter all the time, taking shots at people, getting in these these roiling debates, you're fucking incels. You might be married, mm -hmm. you might have kids, but had it been 25 years ago. It's because, you know, we're staggered your age. If we brought you back five years ago, you'd, you'd be a fucking insult. He's saying that in love. You know what's funny? I, really. I talked to I talked, <laughs> I talked to Sing a friend. I talked to a friend who is a somewhat prominent person who left Twitter um, and who did it under uh, a torrent of malevolent expressions of good. Fuck you. Get out of here. You're the worst. And shortly after they left, sent me a text and said, yeah, I, I quit. I said, okay, mm -hmm. how do you feel about it? He's like, I did it for my kids. I looked at photos of me with my kids, and I could not find one where I didn't have my, hand, my phone in my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. That's awful. I mean, it, he said it, and it kind of hit me in the solar plexus, and I thought I probably need to put my phone down a little more frequently when I'm interacting with the kids because I don't want that. And I just said to him, to the extent you're leaving for that reason, that's the right reason. And I hope it's great and it's paying off. And I'll, I'll check in with him in a little bit. Um, and no, have you had, have not you had, your daughter is probably not old enough yet, but <laughs> mm -hmm. have you had your kid tell you to get off your phone? Yet? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. have too. Yeah. I, I don't do it anymore. I actually truly don't do it. I yeah. mean, I love my daughter so much 
that, you know, she tells me anything. And I, I know. I Leah's had to tell me three or four times. So, I, should, I mean, maybe – I guess that means you love your daughter a little more. But she's older. And yeah, Leah, she's older. And she's, and, and she's just like – but yeah. when she was like seven or eight, she'd be like, can you not be on your phone? Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, my God. I was so humiliated. Yeah. Like you're supposed to say that to kids. They're not supposed to say that to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. This is Yeah. Bad. No, I've gotten that. And I stopped before. tweeting around that time. It's true, actually. Yeah. It was around the time. I mean, I used to be pretty engaged on Twitter. My volume is not, is not very high. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I do want to uh, zero, except no. when you're recording. Well, when we're, we're recording, this is this, this is the thing. Like so, so there was a story earlier today about um, how Elon had uh, said that he wasn't going to do anything to some account that had been tracking the whereabouts of his plane um, for a while. I guess it was a website, but then there's also a Twitter account that is in real time, pretty much tracking Mm -hmm. the whereabouts of his plane as it is going from destination to destination. And as a result of that, people were showing up at airports waiting for him to arrive. Paparazzo and various other people, Mm -hmm. including apparently some lunatic who blocked traffic and was harassing a car that they thought Elon was in. But apparently, per Elon's texts, um, tweets tonight, his kid was in the car mm-hmm. and that account was suspended and then was reinstated and then is apparently now thrown off of Twitter. And there are some people who are insisting, well, this is hypocrisy. This is precisely the sort Drudge. of thing that you said wouldn't be permitted anymore. Drudge's headline Drudge, right Drudge now among, is, is among world's others. richest hypocrite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drudge among I mean, others. It is directly opposed to his plain language from a month ago. Well, it it is. Yeah. It is in some ways. However, I think there is something to be said about real-time tweeting someone's location. Like to the extent doxing has a meaning, like this is doxing. Like I'm telling you but exactly also where someone but is going to but be. But it's also leveraging in real time. No, 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 it's no, no leveraging no. 100% like it's public, public it's information. Public information it is it is public information, yeah. but but, but <laughs> finding a, not a but. finding that no no, finding that public information and correlating correlating it and publishing it in a way that makes it available to a lot of people all at once. Sounds like, like Twitter. That is still yeah. again, this is but Twitter has a policy with respect to doxing. That is in fact doxing. They changed the policy tonight to accommodate this reflex. I'm just saying that it's doxing. <laughs> like it is I mean, doxing. It's not revealing doxing from. I'm not. And look, I'm not saying that. No, I'm, I'm not I'm, saying that the way think, that the policy think, has been struck or anything is even is even in the, the layman's most version awful way imaginable. But the layman's version of doxing. doxing is that I'm going to reveal information about you yes. that you have worked to make private. I'm going to unearth uh-huh. this. This is public information, all this Co- stuff. When you take, have, when you take have, information from public sources and organize it in a way that makes it accessible to more people, this is – Then this you act have is, just done journalism. This, yeah. this act is called publishing. And yes, you can do journalism of that sort. But that sort of, that sort of behavior in that context can be regarded as doxing. Journalism can I, be doxing. I, 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 think there's doxing. A, I think there's a – It's fla- not doxing. I think there's a flabbiness okay. of the term doxing because doxing, to Matt's point – was would typically be somebody like libs of TikTok person, mm-hmm. right? They don't use their name. They they actually strenuously protect their identity, and that's revealing their identity. Okay. Alice of Queens. If, if Alice of Queens, people like that. If it's Michael Moynihan, mm-hmm. you can find things out about me in public records, right? And that wouldn't like fired. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's not public yet. It is now, but yeah, it would be. Yeah. You made it public. That, I did. I'm, make I'm it just like. Yeah, but that kind of information about yourself, I mean, like if you look in New York City, 
there is a database in New York City mm-hmm. called a is AC something or other, and it's a public database. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you any apartment. Right. Just look person's name, how much they paid for it. Yeah. Where it is. Yeah, yeah. The lot, this, the taxes. Yeah, they no, paid you on can it. show up at my house. You sure. can show up very quickly, yeah. very quickly. That traditionally wasn't considered doxing because you're a public figure, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were the libs of TikTok, you were this person. If you were somebody who was, um, you know, you would all often hear it in this context of somebody who was um, maybe saying that they were a sexual assault victim Mm -hmm. and they were accusing somebody and you were saying this person, for instance, the woman at the UVA thing. Now, that was a complicated one because there was a public interest in the fact that she was probably making it up and it turned out she was making it up. And there was, I think, the Daily Caller. Um, and they got a ton of shit. They revealed mm, her real name. Her identity, right. And that was considered doxing at the time. Whereas now, I mean, if it's, you know, Matt Welch, Camille Foster, Michael Moyan, like we find something public, public, we don't have jets because you guys don't fucking sign up fast enough to pay for the, the, the sub stack. Okay. Mm-hmm, we need a true. fucking jet. Yeah. Okay. Then you can have the fifth column tracker and mm-hmm. then we'll try to get you banned from Twitter. <laughs> At least Camille will need the jet. Yeah. So I, just, yeah. Says, just to trial Matt'll, out. Matt'll At least Camille a very nice bicycle. Is the point. It's such yeah. a nice bike. One of those blue ones they have Lots in the city. There's a lot of them. But. I tell you what though, we can talk about a million things in this episode and this is the tail end of it. Nothing will provoke more emails than, than this conversation about whether or not this is um, – an acceptable thing to do to put this guy's information out there, which is public information. Yeah, the semantic, the, the semantic debate about whether or not this is doxing. Please don't don't send any emails about that. I think well, that, that, they're that's going just, to that, you. Yeah. Fuck. I don't. It up. But I don't care what you. Yeah. I don't care what you. But, people but say. the only reason that's important is because <laughs> when you say it's an anti-doxing policy, you have to come to some. Well, this is this is how they're describing yeah. it. But now at this point, the policy formally recognizes this sort of behavior as unacceptable, and you can't do it. Yeah. He'd be better off just saying, I fucking paid $44 billion for this shit. I can do whatever mm-hmm. I want. Stop it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what it's also. It's also, it strikes me as not illegitimate. It strikes me as not illegitimate. It's the, like the, the, if the position at this you point. Can't, and the you position, can't the tweet position, a, a thing that is known publicly that stated, we're going to find the a way. The position here is that tracking in real time is a problem. If you are publishing this information and it is delayed in some way, that is okay. There are the, that's that's the policy position pool, for this publication. There's a that pool, strikes me as not as not problematic. There's a pool report every day about the president's whereabouts. Yes. That, that could be the President of the in, United States, they actually release that. That can be in, publish it. That can be in violation of those Twitter rules. No, but they publish that. The, sure. the White House does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but the White House doesn't publish it. They do. I mean it's they 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 release it to the press they for that it, purpose. But, but it's a uh, it's owned by the press. The press it is. Yes, but it's released to the press for that purpose. This is not the same thing. I mean, in, the F- in this the particular FAA case, releases this in this particular being... case, the guy who owns the plane is saying, "Please don't do this." Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry. We've the, been, the way the way they've been do doing it, it for for okay. years. So the way to do it, and the only way that they they cannot do it now is because okay. he fucking bought it. The okay. the way that you actually you know blow this shit up is the way that Jimmy Kimmel blew it up in 2007. Do you remember this? No. Jimmy Kimmel was guest hosting for Larry King in 2007. I think it was before he had a show. Dubuque, hello. Yeah, and he basically, and he had Emily Gould on. Oh. Who was then, this is a notorious video, you should watch it, um, who was then the editor of Gawker. And they had a thing on Gawker called Gawker Stalker, mm-hmm. in which people were publicly uh, identified they weren't hiding. It was in New York City. So-and-so is at this restaurant. 
and they would send it to Gawker and Gawker would say, Gawker stalker, you know, uh, Heidi Klum is eating at this place in the West Village. Mm -hmm. And um, they defended it. And, you know, this is public information because they're in public. Right. And somebody saw it and they sent it to us. There's nothing wrong with doing this. Jimmy Kimmel brought her onto the show and absolutely brutalized her. And she was like, you know, looked like, you know, a Tyson fight when he was fighting those chumps, you know, like first round staggering. And it is brutal to watch. But watch Emily Gould um, debating Jimmy Kimmel and doing a very, very bad job of it. I would take the same thing of this 20 year old kid and be like, why are you doing this? What is the purpose of this public information? We grant you this public information. Why are you telling everyone where this man is? That seems fucking creepy and dangerous. These people online that are hating on Elon for this, I get it. I'm on their side in the sense that I think he's a hypocrite. I think this is stupid. I shouldn't have done it. And he said he wasn't going, going to do it. But these are also people who say you, Elon mentioned Yale Roth. And he had to leave his house. Yeah. He had to flee his fucking house. Yeah. Because you criticized him. How dare you? Oh, they're publishing your location all the time? That's fine. Are you fucking kidding me? You're saying words are violence. You're saying criticizing people He's is putting them fascist. in danger. He's a fascist putting people in danger. This person's put in danger. This trans person's put in danger because someone criticized them. But yet you're totally fine with someone for reasons unknown. Get the 20-year-old kid on your fucking TV show and be like, dude, what are you doing? I'd have him on this podcast and I would ask him pretty simply, what is the purpose of this? Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you that he wouldn't be able to get out of this argument very easily because there's not a great justification. It's public information is a statement of fact. Yes, it is. But give me the kind of moral case for telling everybody on earth where this rich guy is so he can what? Be fucking kidnapped like Patty Hearst? I don't know. So we can be like attacked by people. So who we can him? know we're know. a powerful person in society. It's, oh, he's go maybe going to that meeting in Miami, maybe going to that meeting in Switzerland. Yeah, none of your um, fucking business. But, but you know, it's public. But, but it is actually, right? No, it isn't. No, no. I mean, like, if he's going to see his friends and his family and he's using his get jet, I accept the fact, and I'm, I agree with you on this, that it is public data and you can track that. It's not in the public interest just because he has a certain amount of money because you'd have to set an amount of money. That would make it in the public listen, interest. Listen, are you everybody. telling me that you didn't read the spy magazine stories when they dug through the trash of famous New York people? Of course I did. <laughs> They're I fantastic. They're great. I love it. Yeah. I don't think it's right, but I'll certainly read it. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. Okay. Like, I, didn't, I didn't actually subscribe to this guy's or I didn't follow this guy on Twitter. But there has to you have to establish at what level of I don't wealth. Think you, I don't think that you have to establish. That's the point for me is that if it's public information and you decide that that is of interest and you focus on this billionaire or like Greta, what the Thornbirds, what, yeah, her, what her name yeah, is? Yeah. Richard Chamberlain. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to track her, I think it's totally creepy and weird and yeah. I question all of your motives in life and why you're waking up. Um, but if she has a, if she never flies uh, public um, uh, <laughs> commercial, uh, commercial, whatever it's called. Yeah. I would, you know, I don't, yeah, these yeah, yeah. distinctions collapse. If she was Pete Buttigieg. Um, then, okay, why not? You know, um, like people, the, Look, the point I, of free speech is not that you're going to have justifications no, 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 for I'm, what everybody yeah, is doing. I, I, I haven't they're suggested, gonna do a bunch of shit. I haven't suggested that no one can publish this. I'm saying that on Twitter, the terms of services that exist now, 
don't permit it. And it seems we're rewritten tonight. But it also seems to me that this is not a bridge too far for a publication. He rewrote that tonight because he's annoyed. Even so, I don't care if it was written tonight or 20 years ago. I'm saying in general... It doesn't seem like a bridge too far for a publication it, it, to yeah. say he can do what the we fuck don't he want wants. No, it's, but it's, it's if you can't it's, laugh at that, you've lost your sense of humor. No, I think I think I, it's, I won't I, laugh at like I'm gonna some, fucking laugh at him. Some dude who's climbing on the vehicle that his child is riding in and and threatening them and being a danger. There's like, no that one, is bad. There's who's threatening him? Is there is there I'm evidence that happened? Yeah, and and this is the other part of the story. He's also tonight tweeted, and this actually complicates things. A brief video of a guy in a white Prius, it looks like, along with the guy's license plate. And the tweet is, does anyone know who this guy is or where this car is from? That's, it's just – it's not – none of this is going in the right direction. That is, the, that the, is not a good look. By the way, the, the plate information is also public information. Yeah. Um, but, but, no, but, no, but we I, know to look for this particular to, plate. To, to, to the point of – It's one thing to give that to law enforcement. Yeah. I think it's another thing to, to, no, to set the, the Twitter mob. And background. to the point of free speech, I don't yeah. believe in any way this should be stopped. I don't believe that this guy should be shot down. I think that, that he's being hypocritical in this because he said he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And you know, he, he bought the company. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, that's not the issue. I, I, I just wonder why this person is compelled to track him. I just I would love to. It's I, fucking crazy. I, I would love I to sit. And have been doing it down. for a couple of years. Yeah. Right? Like mm-hmm. I would love to sit this fucking, you know, deranged child down and be like, you got you got you the one who has to get out and go to church. You have to go out and see the world a little bit because you're sitting around tracking Elon Musk for what reason? <laughs> That just seems weird to me. It's totally fucking weird. That's, it's not a speech. I think it's yeah. fine. I, I, you can do it. Fine. But dude, what the fuck? Like, honestly, get another hobby. So well, before it's we get out of here then to, to, to knock out some more of these controversies from the week. We've been going for a little while. Marjorie Taylor, we have. We have. We have. Well, before we get out of here, Marjorie Taylor Greene earlier this week says that if she and Steve Bannon had planned January 6th, one, it would have been successful. And two, they would have been armed. I saw in response to these remarks, which were made at some young Republican event or something in New York, like yeah. that in yeah. New York. Where she um, was not armed. I can yeah. she was, testify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like that. <laughs> I like them when they're not armed. <laughs> yeah, it's easier for you. Yeah, easier pickings. Yeah. She's tough, though. She probably I, – I no, She's fucking – she's got some, some triceps. Yeah, she would yeah. give it to you. She was obviously making a joke here. Oh, that's obvious now? Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's beyond <laughs> obvious. Which I thought was hilarious because I couldn't even find the bathroom at the Capitol. <laughs> True story. Then January 6th happens, and next thing you know, I organized the whole thing along with Steve Bannon here. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. If Steve Bannon and I had organized that, we would have won. Now, you may not like that joke, but the people who are tweeting in response, this is treason. That's crazy. 
I'm more worried about the person who is a member of Congress than the person who is a bad Twitter. I'm I'm fine with that. You you're permitted to not like the joke, but it is joke. I don't give a shit about the joke. Uh, okay. I, I wish the people like her wouldn't be elected to Congress. We share we um, share this. And belief. I'm sad about the state of the Republican Party that that like. That is a high-powered yes. fucking dinner in Manhattan. Yeah. That's where we are now. Um, not we. I'm not part of that. But, like, <laughs> that's what the country is now. Uh, and that's sad. And, like, at some point, like, trying to parse, is it a joke? Is it not a joke? Is it a – are they memeing? Do they really mean it? What are the bunny ears that Elon – like, no. I'm I'm – half of my life is over. Right. It it I, always it always the clock matters. is fucking ticking. It always matters. No, no, it doesn't. The truth what? the truth about these things does matter. That matters. Okay. But Marjorie Taylor Greene and what she says and what uh, the people say uh, and like whether that's an exaggeration, all that kind of stuff. It for those who think that matter and want to get excited about it, go with God. And I'm going to read a fucking book and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to do a, a whole lot of other things rather than get super excited. He might not get there with you. <laughs> <laughs> he has seen the mountaintop. I'll tell you what, the funniest thing about that is that is that people who respond to it, and they're all mad, um, seem to acknowledge that uh, the people on January 6th weren't armed. <laughs> that was so not armed. Not armed. That was, I, I just remember afterwards being so confused by it of Nancy Pelosi being – being like, uh, you know, these armed, uh, this armed, armed, mob. Uh, it's an, armed mob. It's an underrated like, oh, argument. Armed for, insurrection. For gun control, which people haven't been making, but they should. I don't know why they don't. I'm not in favor of gun control, generally speaking. And like. They were like, we're not, we're going to jail for a long time. We bring guns. Do you think Stuart Rhodes would have, would have like maybe had some more guns around um, if there wasn't so many strong restrictions against that? Yeah, if, I think yeah. they probably would have been more yeah. guns. Yeah. No, I think that's probably true. A lot more guns. Like My favorite response to that was like, they had guns in their hotel rooms in Virginia. I'm yeah, like, across no, no, the river. Yeah, it's across the river. They didn't bring them home. That's different. That's different. Yeah, they're psychos, but they didn't have them with them. That's different. So anyway. It remains an underreported story, and we'll talk about it more in the future. Uh, I am confident of uh, Stuart Rhodes' um, uh, conviction and a bunch of other people right now. Like somehow it becomes this thing where – it is conviction porn on CNN and MSNBC and then sometimes talked about a little bit, maybe a, in the Tucker yeah. Carlson way. But like we haven't actually had a, a conversation as a country yeah. about whether people should go to jail for five years who didn't do anything violent on that day. Yeah. And there's there's yeah. quite a, a, a large number of those people. Yeah. You have to you have to back away from what you think about the day and the people who perpetrated it, because that's the entire purpose of our justice system. That's is right. To be divorced from your own ideas and ideology. And like, I, I, you know, we can't be punishing people in, uh, more in a harsher way. Because they're fucking boneheads and scumbags and believe something that's not true um, and tried to – I don't even know what they tried to do. I, I'm not even comfortable saying they tried to you know, stop the certification of the election. I don't know how that would have happened, mm -hmm. right? They could have done it. They could have gone and in, in, in LARPed and pretend, but it's, they're not going to – At a minimum, at a minimum, you, you delay are it. necessarily yes. applying motives to this, this cacophony of people. Yeah. <laughs> but also the individuals are prosecuted. Can, can, and can even in the cacophony? Stuart Rhodes prosecution, yeah. you have – uh, and he was uh, rung up for seditious conspiracy, which mm -hmm. is like, wow, that's that's the one. Mm -hmm. We got one now, yeah. right? 
Um, it's pretty and, specific in his case. Yeah. And he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the charges of like actually conspiring to overthrow the election, which is what we all kind of in the broader sense kind of assume that we mean right. about January 6th, they're like, no, he didn't do that. Right. Um, so his seditious conspiracy was somehow a little orthogonal to right. that. It's a little different than that. And that kind of fucking matters was, because a was lot he of pe- at the apartment in Virginia or not the apartment, the hotel in Virginia with I, the firearms. Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah. Um, and like, so he was staged there in the event they needed weapons. He was planning to bring them. And that is the conspiracy. Right. And that's and he was convicted. So uh, right. you have to like obtain a conviction. So I presume there's some seriousness with that. But also the people who immediately say, well, so we can call January 6th a seditious conspiracy to we don't have convictions of that just yet. As far as I know, yeah. even now, after all this time, after a hundred mm-hmm. or no, a thousand uh, of uh, criminal cases, right, that have that have uh, either mm-hmm. pled out or, or uh, achieved convictions. And it's a strange it belongs in the strange category where it's not a subject of a lot of conversation. It's either like. Well, uh, well, it is in certain circles. It's not in kind of the corridors of elite media yeah. publications and outlets. Yeah. Like they're not doing it. And to the extent that any of us are interested in the exercise of power, but also criminal justice and like what can mm-hmm. a federal prosecutor do and what can they like throw at you? Like you should plead this or else it's going to be really fucking bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of that's gone on and it's really hasn't gotten a lot of uh, attention in that way. And and I look forward. No, and I think that the, most of these people should go to jail for something. Mm-hmm. You go to jail for it, but I mean, you're, it's essentially, you know, going on to federal property uh, without an invite, right? I mean, you're, I mean, the, the people who go in and then they walk into Nancy Pelosi's office once they're in there, there's not a separate charge for being in Nancy Pelosi's office. It's, you know, you enter the <laughs> building, right? Probably should be. You know, I mean, you do that, like if you're stealing shit or, from there. Or her house. Well, the house, I mean, that's yeah. fucking, that's, that's also, you know, like attempted murder. Yeah. I mean, a guy trying to hit with a hammer and you're 70 odd years old, that's attempted murder as far yeah, as I'm yeah. concerned. And, you know, you're stealing laptops from her office, you're stealing shit. But if you're going in with your Trump flag and you're like joining the mob, and I think you should go to jail. I think that's like I would never even, do that. Even if there's but, video, even yes. if there's video of law enforcement stepping aside, letting you in and not it, it, telling that, you to stop or telling you to leave, it, it, and that, you just kind of march through. It, it does actually complicate things a little bit, and it's that's that's a weird thing about. It there's a lot of that. It's it, it was. I don't know what volume yeah, it is, but I've seen a lot of the video of that. It, that fact. confuses things a lot because I mean, people talk about that in the. Can you see that in the sort of Tucker Carlson world quite a bit? Well, they invited us in. They invited us in. That's eh, not entirely true. Mm-hmm. You also were fighting a pitch battle against them on the fucking some, steps. Some of, of them the were, yeah, yeah, right. And then there if was you're some in the point, back of that that whole thing. You don't see it. There's a lot of difference, I think, depending yeah. if somebody comes up the steps on the side and is like, "What's going on?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah. If you want to go in, go in." I don't know what happened. I haven't actually gone over the evidence, but the thing about it is, is that if everybody who went in there to go to that rally ends up uh, participating in that riot and then walking into the building, mm-hmm. the doors are open. They've been smashed by somebody else. Right. You walk in. Are you part of a seditious conspiracy mm-hmm. to overthrow the election and the government? That's a hard thing to prove, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't know. I haven't followed this stuff closely, but I would imagine if it were coming from a different direction and they weren't these fucking psycho idiots, half of whom, you know, are like, you know, a couple of whom I have to say, not half of whom, but a couple of whom have like 
fucking Nazi shirts on and, you know, Auschwitz camp, Auschwitz shit. Not good people. This is not the, they're not bringing their best. Put it that way. Right? <laughs> and these are not people. And like you want that instinct because they have that fucking sweatshirt on. I said to a liberal judge, I mentioned this in the show. I was at a dinner. The guy's with me was a very, very famous judge, um, a federal judge, a very liberal guy. His father was a famous judge. And that happened, the guy with the Nazi shirt, the Nazi, um, you know, Camp Auschwitz thing. I said that in his sentencing, I said this to the judge at this dinner table. I said, you know, they mentioned it. And I think, and this guy's Jewish too. I thought this guy is probably one of the worst humans that I had, you know, seen across my television screen in, in, in some time. And you're wearing a shirt like that. You're a piece of garbage, right? But it was brought up in the sentencing, and he's like, that's absolutely, you cannot do that. I swear to God, he was like, this is, that's, that's, no. It's like his shitty ideas about the Holocaust should have no bearing on his sentencing, and it's mentioned in the sentencing is not good. And I would never do that, and the judge shouldn't do that. Yeah. And that kind of thing is where, like, I'm not pleading for a particular type of fairness for these people that I don't ask for anybody else. Right. Because I don't, we haven't talked about this and it's been going on for years and we haven't talked about it. So it's not something that's like motivating me. I would have the same opinion if a guy, you know, had a, you know, a Huey Newton t-shirt on or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just leave. That's not, that's not right. What? Huey Lewis? I would put him in jail for life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have an album called Sports. Literally, that was how inventive you were. Uh, yeah, your band's called The News. Yeah. <laughs> Lord. So, I'm not going to be responsible for us staying here all night. I have two last things. Oh, God. One, do you no, remember Rudy Giuliani wearing the Make Mexico Great Again also hat? No. No. Yeah. No. That's pretty great. It's a great no. moment. And no, there's photos. There's photos of this. Make no. Mexico Great Again also. I would just say that when... Wow. When... Uh, Mexico defeats America in the World Cup, which will happen at some point. <laughs> I don't think we're going to have riots in LA. You no. don't think so? No. no I, I, think the, I think the Mexicans will outsheer the non-Mexicans in LA. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of people upset about that. Yeah. But ain't nobody going to be rioting. No, 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 hold you to it. No, we don't. Uh, Mexicans and uh, Mexicans Angelinos. are Angelinos. So they are Angelinos. Like, uh, it's the same thing. No, they're not going to fucking. They're just going to be like, oh, that'd be fun. That's fun. We'd be them. That's good. So that's cool. Last last thing last thing before we punch <laughs> we out went, before Bonan does a racism. It's, no, it's not <laughs> and you and you were the one who it's sent this over earlier, wow. Matt. Representative Nancy Mace uh, confronting some some people in Congress. Uh, there was a hearing for a House Oversight Committee about white supremacy and anti LGBT stuff that was happening, and uh, Miss Mace took the opportunity to ask a rather pointed question or series of rather, rather pointed question to the witnesses who were arrayed there, um, specifically asking them about threats to democracy and what they believe constituted a threat to democracy. And rhetoric, hate mm-hmm. speech, violence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and all of this was an elaborate trap by her. It was very sophisticated. Yes. Who could tell that she was building up to this by asking three questions in sequence and saying yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? That she was building up to a point where she would actually reveal that one of the witnesses, uh, her name is Alejandra Cabralo. 
I don't know. Some Welch-ass pronunciation. I mean, yeah. I'm, not even, I'm not even trying. The, apparently, I discovered today that this woman who I don't know, never met, certainly never tweeted at, has She blocked, blocked me, too. Has me blocked on she Twitter. Blocked, and she sent me blocked. Are you blocked? Yeah. I didn't try yet. Matt yeah, you're, probably blocked. Blocked. you're I hope, probably blocked. I hope you're blocked. If you're not yeah. blocked, that says something about you. Yeah. Um, I don't know man. this woman. Um, but <laughs> I mean, last name while you're, while you're soliloquizing that. Cab- Cabadino? Oh, God. Dean, Dean C-A-C-A-R-A-B-A-L-L. Before the racism. That's <laughs> not racism. Um, yeah, so so in response to this, and I'll just drop in the audio really quickly, and the question is whether or not you think that certain sentiments being expressed can be a threat to democracy, mm-hmm. um, to which they all answer in the affirmative, and then she reads this tweet. Witnesses Alejandra Caraballo tweeted out the following in response to a decision on abortion overturning Roe v. Wade, and I'll quote directly from the tweet, the six justices who overturned Roe should never know peace again. It is our civic duty to accost them every time they're in public. They are pariahs. Since women don't have their rights, these justices should never have a peaceful moment in public again. I know something about being accosted. The night of January 5th, I was physically accosted on the streets of D.C. in Navy Yard by a constituent of mine. So my last question today of Ms. Caraballo, do you stand by these comments, this kind of rhetoric on social media, and do you believe it's a threat to democracy? Thank you, Representative, for the opportunity to clarify and provide context to my tweets. Um, I have a question, is it yes or no? Do you believe your rhetoric is a threat to democracy when you're calling to accost a branch of government, the Supreme Court, I don't believe that's a correct uh, characterization of my statements. Did you not tweet that? That you thought that the Supreme Court justices should be accosted? What I'm saying is that 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 is not an accurate characterization of my statements. They always say that. That's that's what you say, but she's also kind of reading parts of it verbatim that are the most problematic. Oh, Matt Welch also blocked. blocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Okay, so let's change our bios together to say blocked by... (laughs) Blocked by this person I've never met. I'm never going to do that. Sorry, so, Alex. So lame. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, yeah. How I do don't we know. get blocked? <laughs> How the fuck do we get blocked? So what do we what do we think about? I never said shit to this woman. What do we think about Nancy Mace uh, and her her brave I, stand here? Go look at the clip. I liked the clip I'll because yeah. the thing uh, was, and there's been a lot of this uh, this week because it's the 10 year anniversary of um, the. Sandy Hook um, was, I think, today, and there was a lot of uh, congressional uh, testimony on that, and then also uh, Club Q and, and people talking about that. And so a lot of discussion about an issue that's of particular interest to us and maybe a lot of other people of like that nexus between political speech and perhaps inspiring violence. And her setup questions are about that. And then say, um, oh, and by the way, you person have tweeted mm-hmm. basically that the Supreme Supreme Court is illegitimate and a, a person, uh, you know, a, a justice should be accosted for the rest of his or her life. Yeah. Um, and um, and it's right to point out that hypocrisy, which I, is yeah, I think absolutely, calling out the hypocrisy is right. Absolutely. Every day. Camille's mad because she used the word democracy. Well, she used the, the phrase threat to democracy, which I at this point just wish that we would. Was she banned. was she kind of like she wasn't kind of a callback. To, she she, she I don't was quoting. Think she was, she was being quoting from their. Though. No, she was quoting from their plague book and yeah. she wasn't like taking the Camille bait of like, well, actually, 
we're a Republican, not a democracy. <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to make this fucking yeah. stupid that is point. Not, that which is, is not why an I intelligent am. point, but also like that is not why one percent of the population wants to hear about it. Right that is now. not why I take issue with using the phrase threat to democracy in that context. Th- th- this like, is, is it a, more the apocalypticism of threat. But yes. this has yes. been a thing that these fucking morons don't get. <laughs> Right. Uh, because I saw um, somebody I know who's a total fucking moron, too, um, making a, like baffled last week by a Glenn Greenwald tweet. Mm. And he was clearly joking. But these people live on Twitter and don't understand the jokes where he was talking about, like, you're putting Matt Taibbi in danger. Yes. By doing, and it's a joke about the way these people <laughs> talk. And it was like, it was criticism like, of the Twitter believe. papers puts Matt Taibbi in yes. danger. And it was like, so I, did and this person was like, I people. cannot believe the hypocrisy of this person. And it's like, dude, it's a fucking joke. <laughs> like, honestly, get, like, it reminds me of the kids, uh, Bill Murray's kids in, in Rushmore. He's like, get your head out of your ass, Dad. That's what I was, like, thinking, like, you really believe that he... I mean, there's nine indications in this tweet, but constantly pointing out to these people that everything they say about, quote unquote, putting people in danger, criticizing people in a harsh way is putting them in danger. Yeah, I don't like the way some of these people are criticized. I don't like the language of some of it. We've talked about this earlier tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't like the harshness of it. Um, but you got to hold yourself to the same standard. And that's what uh, Representative Mace was doing. And it's, 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 we need more of it. Because there's so many of these people that believe it's a one-way street. And how can you possibly live? You can't be that stupid. You can't realize, not realize, that this goes to the stuff that you say, too. But they think there's an exemption for being correct. And they think they're correct about everything. Mm-hmm. They think they have the, 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 the righteousness and the kind of morality is on their side. So therefore, when they do it, they're doing it and striking a blow for the downtrodden. For the people who are abused on Twitter, for the people who are abused by, you know, white supremacy and the rest of it. So therefore, it cannot be threatening. But but referring to sort of every critical post, even the ones that are Mm. hysterical and overwrought, like this one, the six justices who overturned Roe should never know peace again. It is our it is our civic duty to accost them every time. <laughs> That's not what public. a civic duty is, they, by the listen, way. They, yes, like helping helping they old are, ladies across they the world. They are pariahs. Since uh-huh. women don't have their rights, these justices should never have a peaceful moment in public. Could you imagine yeah. being a that much? Never yeah, have never. a, a now, peaceful moment. Yes. Yeah. Now, should rough. is someone saying that a threat to democracy? And the answer is emphatically <laughs> no. It is not. No, but she's she's bringing them up on hypocrisy. Uh, they of had, course, bringing they them had, up on hypocrisy is said, totally fine. But they this said is the problem. Rhetoric is a threat to democracy. I'm, that I'm woman so, seems like a threat to herself. Well, she seems yes. like a lunatic. This is this is How hysterical the fuck did she nonsense. To block all three of us. We've <laughs> never interacted with her fucking dumbass. Maybe she's listening to the podcast. I don't know. Really? I you don't think know. so. You don't listen to this no. podcast and come out saying shit like that. I, I you come I, out brilliant. <laughs> come out smart. You don't come this fucking knuckle dragging assholes. It's like. Never allow anyone who disagrees with me to ever have a fucking bacon, egg, and cheese in public again. Like, fucking, are you kidding me? But like, this is what is wrong with you? This You're is a fanatic. Hashtag just, never bacon and cheese. Yeah, I think, again. You I fuck think, with my bacon, egg, and cheese, 325 down the bodega, I'll kill you. I think the sentiment, kill you. The sentiment being you. expressed here is hysterical. I would even go so far as to suggest yeah. that it is illiberal, but I do not think, and even there, I'm not quite sure, but I definitely don't think it's a threat to democracy. I don't think. 
think she thinks that either. She's using using the word. But using that rhetoric does contribute to the sort of threat inflation. And my expectation is that we will see precisely what we've always seen, that someone uses it. The other side uses it as well. They're initially perhaps using it sarcastically, and eventually everything is stochastic terrorism. And everyone is calling out stochastic terrorism, and everyone insists that we need certain new laws and new regulatory bodies to come into existence to protect us from the bad things. Are we guilty of sarcastic terrorism? (laughs) That's it. This is uh, is my new thing, sarcastic terrorism. I think that's what I My sarcasm about about this fucking woman. Sarcastic terrorism. I'm terrorizing her. By being sarcastic about her fucking dumb testimony. We <laughs> should also get her on the podcast. Nancy Mace? Yeah, Nancy Mace, who's like, like – I thought you were the other one. I was like, how the fuck are we going to contact her? She's blocked uh, – she's probably blocked our phone numbers. Alejandra is not going to come. But like uh, – uh, no, Nancy uh, probably Mace. probably hiding right now. If I <laughs> – I don't think I'm getting this wrong and I apologize in advance if I am, but Camille might fact check this in real time. But um, – uh, she said during, um, and she's like conservative, but even a little bit Trumpy. Like, uh, well, she's backed away from the Trumpiness. Yeah, backed away somewhat. But like, uh, people were talking about uh, gay marriage stuff, and I, I'm pretty sure it was her about six months ago. Said something like, "Look, my marriages suck." Like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, she's she's been. <laughs> why? Yeah, like, yeah. don't tell me that it's going to ruin marriage. We're ruining our own marriage. Yeah, yeah, I think like, she's let's, been. Let's let the gays marry. Yeah. Come on, yeah. and yeah. like really funny and kind of smart about it. Yeah, yeah, she's and she's from South Carolina. Is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, one of them? Yeah. Like, yeah, like the uh, Hilton Head region. Yeah, I think East Carolina. East Hilton Head, yeah. something like that. Yeah. East Carolina State. Yeah, we'll get her. It's the new University of Maryland. And then I'll have Camille yell at her about the threats to democracy, and she'll just be like. I was just saying, like, if that one is, maybe this one is, too. I just hope Camille <laughs> gets his bow tie looked back on. Well, actually. It's not going to happen. No, you know, bow tie uh, comes into the fruits that. of Islam. Retire that. come up with that bow tie on, like, he's a fucking S1W in and public And all my bow ties were real. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tie a bow tie? Of course I can. I can. Well, you said <laughs> angry, like a fruit wow. of Islam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what a fruit of Islam would say. Of course I can tie that motherfucker. We're here to see Brother Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> well, heard those guys out the window there. Yeah. Those Where are Brother Johnson's brothers. Nancy May. <laughs> Nancy May. Malcolm X. Mm. We've been going for a little while. We have been going for a little while. We should wrap this up. I got to go home. Yeah. It's 11.51. And I got to get a train out of here tomorrow. And it looks like I'll be back Friday, which is crazy. This week, you going to move back. I got to do something for work. So, did you get a fucking yeah. apartment here and stop living in? We'll figure it out. Place that you live. Couch right um, here. Please check us out at wethefifth.substack.com and um, sign up for our, our thing. I have a fucking job. Sign up now. Yeah, pay some money. Yeah. <laughs> Moynihan needs it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you earmark it specifically for me? Because I'm, right. I'm in a tough. Spot. Send a special love offering. Yeah, yeah. Michael Moynihan. Yeah, I'm going to give you my <laughs> PayPal, <laughs> my Venmo, <laughs> my Stripe, <laughs> everything. <laughs> fucking send me stuff. Uh, also launching an OnlyFans, which I am. Um, is going to be am. pretty hot. Yeah. Hot and heavy, too hot for the pod. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm actually um, uh, doing it with uh, a a former uh, CNN staffer. That's right. He's legal. uh, Okay, I'll just I'll just acknowledge Jeff Tubin and I are doing our own. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Welcome to this edition of uh, Jerking It with Jeff and Michael. I don't know why I'm doing that voice for this. Oh, yeah. Two wankers. Yeah, two yeah, that's right. You should get Anthony Weiner on. Uh, oh, everyone's just jerking wow. off. 
<laughs> the most uh, successful OnlyFans in history. I know there are people that are listening to this podcast and are like, oh, that's pretty good. That's and at the end, it's like, well, they're talking about jerking strong, off so much. That's too much. That's a strong idea. That's too much. I was going to subscribe and it was just too dirty. <laughs> okay, JD Vance. Oh, God. Stop going after our porn. We'll talk about that next time. All right. Well, let's get out of here. All right. Bye. 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 We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse.